Welcome to Fire Breathing Kittens, a standalone Dungeons and Dragons podcast. Each episode is a separate, complete adventure, so you can listen to them in any order. We are joined today by Tanager Goodfellow. Level 8 Seder. I'm a cleric, I'm a bard, I'm a fighter, I'm everything you need me to be, darling. I'm adorned in just a simple kimono. It's an off day for me. There's a lot going on in my life, but please, let me turn it over to my friends. Dr. Crud Third. Dr. Crud is a 7th level doctor. He uh, stands at uh, 8 feet tall, 5 feet wide, between three and 400 pounds. Nobody knows for sure because he keeps fluctuating between those. Um, no, he's wearing a, a pair of blue jeans. With a white button-down shirt with red tie and a white leather doctor's coat with Dr. Crud III embroidered on the left side. And uh, sitting there next to him on the ground is his daughter, Jenny, who is cute as a button and half dragon, half lox- loxodon. She's so cute. She is. Also, are you level 7 or level 8? Uh Oh, level 8. I thought I... Yeah, it should <laughs> yeah, be. Don't forget that. Yeah, yeah. I don't want you guys to die. All right. As if the... I, I feel, this is just my opinion, that if the total party kill happens, like if a TPK happens, that it's kind of the DM's fault too. Like, not just solely on the party. Sometimes, especially if you're the wrong level. All right. So, <laughs> I'm getting looks of disbelief. All right. <laughs> I think I just didn't upgrade the, the number on my sheet. <laughs> okay. Yeah, no, no. As long as you actually are level eight, you're all good much more likely to survive the battles that are in store for you today. We'll find out. If I die, <laughs> I screwed up. <laughs> oh, no. All right. And lastly, the Prince of the Tritons, the son of Alcala, Aaron. Hello, everyone. I am Aaron Atalantica. I am the Prince of the Tritons, obviously. I have blue hair and blue skin, and I wear a couple of little sashes and ocean colors around my waist and some gold chains stretched across my chest. I am a level eight bard, and I am surrounded by a horde of animals. Yeah, he is. He's got a giant elk, a giant badger. If uh, if you guys want to know the full list of his animals, look up the gray bag of tricks. He acquired that in the episode, The Glyphed Bowl of Crisperon, I think, Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. All right. You are all in the Fire Breathing Kittens Guild Hall. There doesn't appear to be anyone else in the Guild Hall with you today. You don't see Nusi, Nulasag, or any of your fellow Guild members. The Guild is a large building with a bar, a sitting area with wooden tables and chairs, and a wall with a corkboard and job flyers posted. Okay. Curry, I don't understand why the drinks are taking longer than normal. Could you just get me a gimlet, please? Tanger asked his attendant, Curry, who is overpaid and underworked. (laughs) She pops her head out from the kitchens, where she emerges carrying a drink for everybody on a tray. What are you all drinking today? It's a rum kind of day. A very heavy lime gimlet. I think Dr. Crud is just having a soda. A soda pop. He's with child now, so he has to he has to stay sober. 
I'm sorry, what? I'm sorry, Dr. Crud, are you pregnant? No, and he, he, uh, he holds up Jenny. My child, I'm a mommy now. Oh, okay. Tanager sort of waves like a weighty finger, like, what is this? Makes a small circle at your child. This is my daughter, Jenny. She is not a this, she's a she. Huh. Fun. Oh, she's a bundle of fun. Do you like earrings, Jenny? Well, she's only about a couple months old. She does not talk yet. And if you pierce my daughter's ears, we're going to have words. So I sort of like poke your daughter in the tummy and look at you. Why doesn't she talk? Oh, oh, okay. Um, Jenny might react to that. It's a very playful poke. It doesn't matter. She's teething. I'm going to roll a d20. <laughs> High or low? She's half dragon, so mm-hmm. she's, um... High or low? <laughs> she's not just an elephant. <laughs> low. Okay. Um, that is a 19. So she's going to bite you. <laughs> a cute little puppy bite. Mm. From a dragon elephant. Yeah. Tanager fully allows his finger to be bitten by this Cute. child, and he does not break eye contact with Dr. Crud. <laughs> okay, uh, so we'll count that as an auto hit. She's going to do four damage, and you are poisoned <laughs> for an hour. Gross. <laughs> so what does she normally eat? Mate. Any mate she wants, and apparently your fingers, because she's taking quite a big bite out of that. <laughs> so Tanninger like puts his finger on the chopping block, like about to cut his finger off, and then I would imagine Curry runs up and is like, "No, Tanninger, that is a bad idea. Do not cut your finger off to feed this child." <laughs> oh wait, that's the sting. So he's not poisoned. Never mind. Your daughter is adorable, cruddy boy. Well, thank you, and that's Dr. Cruddy Boy to you. I feed, like, a little bit more of my finger to your child. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. She's chewing on you for another four damage. (laughs) Cool. I'm not doing well. (laughs) What's Aaron up to? Hmm? (sighs) Well... So what are we doing today, guys? As my finger is halfway through a newborn dragonkin, I have literally no idea. Yeah, that was your own doing. Well, a child needs food. So you decide to feed it yourself to it? That's what they want to eat. Who am I to deny a child? What's going on on the board? Well... Why don't you take your finger out of her mouth? Here, Aaron is going to give the child one of his animals here. He has a Mastiff available. Does she like puppies? Well, we'll find out. (laughs) How are you giving it to her? I'm just going to... I mean, it's a Mastiff, so it's it's rather large. I can't pick it up, but I'm just going to direct it. Hey, hey, go go lick her hand. Now... Okay, I, I for my clarification, are you giving it to her to eat, or are you giving it to her... How are you giving it to her? No, for her to interact with. Oh, okay. For her to play with it. 
Tanager absolutely motions it as if she was supposed to eat this animal. Go on, munch it up. Snack time. My goodness. Oh, is, is that not what this is? Tanager, it doesn't have that many HP. Stop it. <laughs> he holds up his bloody nubbed hand and is like, oh, yes, okay, okay, I guess snack time's over. Does anyone have some antiseptic? Yeah, I do. But, I mean, sure, here here you go. I, I can't let you die. Thank you, Curdy boy. I mean, we could. <laughs> well, I don't know. She may finish Guys, eating him by the end of the episode. <laughs> for real, and Tanger moves his bloody, newly bound hand to the quest board, fully smearing blood across the wall. What do we got going on? What is this? I'm sorry. And he turns back. Who knows how to read? <laughs> um... Yeah, I can help you out there. Aaron walks over to the board and examines the, the postings. It says, Please investigate this cucumber. Someone gave me this cucumber yesterday, but I didn't trust the person, so I threw it into the woods behind my house. Last night, I heard a coyote coughing, hacking, and crying in the woods. This morning, I found one half of the cucumber half-eaten, but no sign of the coyote. I am concerned that the cucumber has been poisoned. Reward, the world's most powerful weapon. I probably shouldn't be hanging on to this. If you're trustworthy, it's better that you have it. Signed, Uwe Berra of 82881 Huergo Street, which, consulting the oversized map on the wall, is two train stops away from the Guild Hall near the Beltran Park train stop. Aaron, what does it say? Uh, well, it sounds like there's a potentially poisoned cucumber. Uh, there's not much of a reward on it, but, uh, you know, I, I think we should be a good Samaritan here. Aaron, I'm going to be very direct with you, my brother. That sounds super dumb. Well, here in the Fire Breathing Kittens Guild, we, we like to help the, the less fortunate. They can't handle a cucumber? What? Well, Why are you talking we'll about see. being dumb? You're the one that was feeding yourself to an, a dragon. I was feeding a child. Your your hands, yes. <laughs> yeah, that... Oh, okay, Tanager, okay. Fine. Do satyrs grow back fingers? Is that a thing? No, Tanager has absolutely mangled his hand. Hmm. Okay, well, it's a good thing you have attendance. Um... So yeah, what do you guys say? Do you want to go take a look at a weird cucumber? Well, we have to, correct? If someone's confused by a cucumber, they clearly need help. I th I think I agree with that. Yeah, I think we have to do it. All right. Uh, I'm game. We'll, we'll, let's go see if this thing's poisoned and get the most powerful weapon in the world. Shh. There ain't nobody else here. <laughs> Aaron gives Dr. Crud a pointed look. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. You were trying to hide that from Tanager? Of course not. We are all in this together. Don't worry about it. The way he's going already, he's going to be dead by the end of the episode. So don't even worry about it. Well, we'll see. Tanager looks up from his drink and goes, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> 
I'm not a cleric anymore, so I cannot revivify you. Just keep that in mind. He clearly does not know what you're talking about. (laughs) Okay, so should we head over to the train stop? Yeah, sure. All right, let's go. I follow to the train stop. They are on the train station. You stand in the train station, a bustling hub of activity. The crowd rushes past you in many directions. The ceiling arches high above your heads. At a service counter near you, a line queues in front of a humanoid bee. Aaron, I think this is you. Uh, uh, What are you guys talking about? Everybody knows you and your infatuation with this bee. (laughs) All right, is there a line? Yes. Okay, I I guess we better wait in line. You mean the bee's boo waits in line? Uh, I don't know if we're booze. Well, there's only one way to wa- find out. Dr. Crud will walk up to her. And uh, if there's somebody in line, it, it doesn't matter. He'll stand to the side. Uh, that's Aaron over there. Uh, are you him? Item? He wants to know. He likes you. The bee woman looks at you, looks at Aaron, and let me just roll a quick dice here. <laughs> yes, now that I've finished rewriting some song lyrics. She doesn't recognize Aaron and is a little confused and says, if you'd like service, please wait in line with the others. Oh, I, I plan on, I was just, I just wanted to ask you that question. That's why I'm standing at the side and not, you know, pushing this guy out of the way. Okay, I'm getting back in line now. Aaron, she don't know you. That's unfortunate. Oh, I didn't know we were a thing, but I thought we were like a, like, like, like a half thing. Okay. She has no idea who you are. I might have to remind her. Aaron uh, busts out his little water drum. And at the back of the line, because he follows directions, he goes, I got my ticket for this creaky old train. The one with the curviest of views. Just like your thorax, these curves are dynamite. Please let us on this train. That is the bard ability. You don't even have to do a roll for it. It's just bards always, in, in exchange for some kind of performance, can get free passage and lodging, food. Okay. The line shuffles forward until you're at the front, and then your bard ability kicks in, and you're still singing. And Oh, yeah. Where are you buying a ticket to? We're buying a train. I, I held up the, uh, the job flyer and say, I need to go here. Beltran Park. Mm-hmm. So the giant elephant man holding a half-elephant, half-dragon baby pipes up from behind Aaron, and... Mm-hmm. Wait, no, Tanger looks to Dr. Crud. Is the baby going on an adventure with us? Yes, she doesn't leave my side. The fire-breathing kittens don't have any sort of daycare? Daycare, per se? I mean, there's the fire-breathing cat academy, there's the... I don't think we've started a uh, daycare just yet, but we might have to get on that. But still, she wouldn't go there. Every single time, Dr. Crud, I leave the house, I know there's a small percentile chance that I could die. Would you subject your daughter, Tendra looks with a question of Mark, to this? Well, so far she's doing a lot better than you. I mean, just look at your hand. You look at my hand as weakness, but I view it as strength of your child. 
So, yes, I suppose, yes, let her adventure with us. Well, thank you for your permission, even though I didn't need it or want it. For what it's worth, I'm on board. I everybody knows my opinion on super na- on super powerful children. Tanager is legit offended. So is Doctor Crud. You're questioning his parenting skills. Okay. Well, this is awkward. Only for you. Let's go. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> God, I need a drink. Do they have alcohol on this train? So the bee lady slides. Uh, she says, "For you." I'll make an exception. Because of your bardic ability, she slides a ticket under the counter to Aaron. Her salary will be one gold less this pay period. Could just... I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt. Could Tanninger just pay for three people's passage on the train? Here's 15 gold? Is that about what a ticket costs? And then literally just, like, scatters the coins on the floor in front of the conductor. (laughs) All right. Um, so you guys step off of the train at Beltran Park. Okay. Beltran Park is pretty vast, like Central Park in New York City. You can't take it all in in just one glance. There are playgrounds, lakes, forested areas, trails, and more. Do we see people around? Yes. Okay, describe them. You come upon a steel-blue-skinned, pointy-eared, muscular, gentle giant with shaggy brown hair and beard. Tanager, do a history check. That'll be a seven. This person feels familiar. You've met him before. I know you. I'm sorry, I meet a great many number of people. Could you remind me? I'm, again, I'm so deeply sorry. Who are you again? Tanager, he booms out in his giant voice. I haven't seen you in ages. It's Simmond, Simmond the Kind. How have you been? Tanager immediately looks to his compatriots with a face of pure desperation. (laughs) He needs to be removed from this immediately or Tanager will for no reason, punch this person. <laughs> of course, Aaron sees that look and immediately goes, Oh, Simmond! Hi, nice to meet you. I'm Aaron. Hey, look, we match. Do you want to hang out with us? <laughs> Do you know he actually sucks? I hope he does. He actually, like, is just, like, a big f- loser who, like... <laughs> He doesn't even know the revel. He's just, like, a nice guy who, like, oh, he can tend plants, and I don't... Just because I don't know plants... Tanager is spinning out into nothingness and trying to look for Dr. Crud's comforting Loxodon chest. Oh, it's right here, big guy. Come on in. You're obviously upset. I don't even know just, what's going on, but you know what? I'm so I'm confused. Oh, hi, sir. How are you doing? Uh, he's upset, so don't mind him. He's just going to hide in my boobs. No, he's not even that cool. Don't talk to him like he's a person. Yell at him. <laughs> he's not cool. He's a he's a nerd. I'm. Co- <laughs> Tanager is breaking down. Doctor Crud embraces him, hides him in his elephant goodness. And everybody's a person, Tanager. Everybody is a person. Simmons, what was that about plants? I enjoy tending plants. I used to tend a grove, and now I'm here. I'm enjoying this park for the day. 
Oh, well, that's delightful. I like plants. So tell us, why are, why is Tanager so upset seeing you again? Tanager? Uh, Tanager looks at him with a very aggressive face and, like, totally disproportionate to the actual vibe of the room. So how is she doing? Are you taking care of her? Or, like, are you just being a little flower boy looking at your little garden? Drusilla? She was doing well the last time I heard, still tending her grove on the island. I imagine she's pretty lonely now that you and I have both left her. Poor thing. I'm sorry Tanager punches him. (gasps) Dr. You're going to have to do a strength check because Dr. Krub has a grip on you and he's not letting go. Tanager attempts to punch him when he founds out the one person who broke Tanager's heart has been abandoned by her new boy. Yeah, Drusilla's alone. Drusilla is alone? Yeah. No. Tanager attempts to punch this man in the face. <laughs> Let's have a strength check. I'm going to do athletics from both Dr. Crud Third and Tanager. Alrighty, I can do that. Uh, that is an 8 from Tanager. That's a 23 from Dr. Crud. So I win, right? <laughs> Tanager, you are restrained. Uh, yeah, it, it is a total 80s comedy movie. Like, Tanager is just trying to fruitlessly attempt to punch this guy, and Dr. Crud is very easily holding his arms back. <laughs> oh, all right. So Simmond sees what's going on, and his name is Simmond the Kind, so I imagine he's not going to, like, attack the restrained, angry person. So <laughs> Simmond the Kind awkwardly backs away and says, Well, it was nice seeing you, uh... Bye. (laughs) Just... Oh, wait. I will have your blood in my throat. Your neck is mine, Simon. You have failed her. Just as I have. Dr. Crud pushes his face into his chest. And and Simon Simon like definitely hops hops skips away. <laughs> Can I chase after him? If you're looking for the residential area, it's that way. Bye. And he points you t- towards Quergo Street, which you can see now is right next to the park. You see the street sign. I was very intrigued in that character. Ugh, that's sad. Simon sucks. <laughs> Tanager like pulls his bloody face. He's a giant, muscly, blue druid. Come on. Oh, yeah. That's what everyone wants, don't they? But maybe sometimes we just... Uh, uh, Calm down. Calm down, Tanny. Calm down. He starts stroking your head. Tanager breaks down. Calm down. Calm down. I don't understand what's so good about him. Calm down, Tanny. Calm down. I thought I could be enough. Aaron looks down at his own blue chest and goes, well, yeah. Anyways. Tanger cannot speak. You you came at his heart, DM. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, He is weeping in Dr. Crud's chest. Dr. Crud, can you sedate him? I could, but that won't fix his broken heart. It helps. It'll fix mine. Just a little propofol. 
Tanager looks up like a little baby bird. Go cope with the Hulk. <laughs> yeah, Please, I bet you like that give one. Me something. <laughs> no, uh, Tanager brushes you away. We are fire-breathing kittens. We have a job to do. She broke my heart. Simmond, I wish I could say the words that I feel about him. Well, I think you were doing a really good job earlier. (laughs) Oh, no, you don't. My words are spicy. Why are we here? Let's solve the problem. If we can just do it super good, Simmon will look like an idiot. And then she'll be able to, like, Tanager, like, walks away a couple feet once he realized he was talking about his actual emotional relationship. (laughs) Dr. Crow will steer him in the opposite direction Sims went, and we'll go and see if we can find somebody else to ask directions from. And you can see the street sign that says Huergo Street, so... Oh, it's right there. Oh. It's, it's right there, guys. Yeah. Good job. It must help to be tall. All right, let's go. Yes, onward. We walk down the street. Come. I'm gonna kill him. Nah, while well, I'm here, Tanny. Mmm... <laughs> He's doing that drunk guy thing of just, like, saying something that you know he does not mean. (laughs) So, when you're like, not while I'm here, Tanny. Like, he's like, yeah, okay. (laughs) What are we doing? Uh, Well, Aaron is counting off houses until we get to 82881. Yeah, you wrote down the address. So, it'll probably take a while. Yeah, I did. (laughs) (laughs) The perfect sky is solid blue with not a single cloud in sight. 82881 is a three-story purple and teal house with a front porch, an intricate lattice, and a steeply pointed roof. Ooh, I love it. Tasteful. Well, if Beans was here, I'd tell him to knock on the door and then break in. But since he's not here, let's go ahead and just knock on the door. Yeah, regular knock. Sounds good. Tanager looks expectantly to the people around him. Who brought the cake? I'm sorry, what? Huh? Do you mean... We're going to show up at someone's house without a cake? Do you mean these cakes? And Aaron gestures at his butt. (laughs) Tanager looks understandingly at his cakes. (laughs) You you do realize, Tanager, that these people are hiring us to do a job, so naturally we would have to go to their house. We don't need an excuse. Well, yes, but you will show up at someone else's house without a gift? That's the thing that's okay for you? All the time. Our presence is a gift. (sighs) Tanger strips off one of his gold necklaces and clutches it in his palm. Whatever floats your boat. Knock, knock, knock. A man answers the door. And says, Hail and well met, my friends. What a glorious day. Would you like some uppers? He takes out a brown leather pouch, very similar to Aaron's own, and pulls out a fuzzy ball. Instead of turning into a giant badger or elk or rat, though, like Aaron's would, this fuzzy ball turns into a tiny round pill. Uve offers the pill to you all. Aaron will take one. Of course Tanager takes one. Dr. Crud III? I will abstain, thank you. Jenny? Oh, she stains too. 
<laughs> Always say no to drugs, kids. Just say no. <laughs> or unless they're free. <laughs> Aaron and Tanager take the pill. Your sorrows melt away and you are at peace. Still fully aware of everything around you and thinking clearly, you also feel blissful and all right. Good, because Tanager needed that. Yeah, Tanager, you're no longer upset. <laughs> I feel so like I get that he sucks, but that's her decision. It's not a failing on me that she just, like, wants to hang out with a lame nerd. I'm, like, in an adventuring game. Tanager just continues on with nonsense for 15 more minutes. So, we're here because we're answering your, your ad for needing help with the, uh, with the cucumber situation. Ah, yeah. Someone gave me this cucumber yesterday, but I didn't trust them, so I threw it in the woods. He points to a half-eaten cucumber on the porch, and also at the trees of Beltran Park, which abut his home's backyard. Last night I heard a coyote coughing, hacking, and crying in the woods. This morning I found the cucumber half-eaten, but no sign of the coyote. I'm concerned that the cucumber has been poisoned. Well, seeing that the cucumber is not part of its natural, uh, you know, what it normally eats, it could actually, I'm surprised it even took a chunk out of it. So, yeah, I need to examine this thing. And who gave it to you? She was a pale woman with black hair and blue eyes, an aged elf with an air of respectability about her. But there was something off about her. She was flirting with me, but couldn't remember my name and carrying a flute and had a weird pet curtain thing on a leash gave me the shivers. Tanninger looks with absolute confidence and puts a hand on their shoulder. Yeah, that happens sometimes. I will find this super hot woman and we will figure out whatever you just said. Tanninger is clearly not thinking about whatever this guy just said. <laughs> Aaron puts a hand on Tanager's shoulder and says, You know, you, you you might not want this one. I think I know who this might be. All right, who? Well, I don't remember her name. Tanager looks confusedly at Aaron. Uh, I don't remember her name, but if she's the person I'm thinking of who keeps a curtain on a leash, that sounds an awful lot like uh, like someone who killed one of our members recently. Oh, she has blood on her hands? Yeah. That is something I cannot forgive, no matter how beautiful. Yeah, well, keep in mind, she's also a shapeshifter, so we don't know what she'll look like. Oh, you think that means something? Well, usually words have meaning. Everyone, everyone is a shapeshifter. Some of us can change forms, but I would like to talk to this woman. Aaron searches through his spells to see if he has something. <laughs> Anyways, um, can you show us the cucumber? Yeah, um, it, it's on the porch. He pointed at it. And sensing the vibe coming from Tanager, Uwe is going to like chuckle and go, <laughs> you're pretty cool, my dude. Would you like one of these party bags? And he offers Tanager a mysterious leather pouch. It's the same pouch that you guys have already imbibed of. 
Tanager gets way too intense. What's in the pouch? It's a... Come on, my guy. It's a bag of, uh... A bag of what? So, like, if I come up with a word, I'm going to find out later that it is a street name for a drug. So I'm just going to say, it's a bag of adventures. <laughs> Take some first. Oh, yeah, no, you've already, you literally have already taken some. And he also now pulls out a little bit of fluff. It turns into a pill and he puts it on his tongue. You are familiar with this object. <laughs> All right. Tanager does triple the dose. Oh, are you accepting the bag from him? Oh, yeah. Once I see him do it and I know it's not poison, Tanager imbibes fully. Okay. I mean, it's a bag of infinite doses of, of this uh, candy. Well, then Tanager is challenging <laughs> infinity. <laughs> oh, God. He will continue to munch. <laughs> Tanager's popping M&Ms over there, and Aaron was inspecting the cucumber. <laughs> so let's go back to Aaron. But yeah, you've acquired this bag now. Uh, by the way. Okay. What, do I do I need to like roll a percent or uh, an investigation or oh, that wasn't very good? Yep. What's your investigation? Uh, eight. It is a half-eaten cucumber. Yeah. Hey, Aaron, you want uh, it... medical personnel to go ahead and try to take care of this for you? That's probably for the best. <laughs> Tanger is literally popping ecstasy like M&M's in the background. Yeah, you are. You feel, um, what is that again? Uh, your sorrows melt away and you are at peace, still fully aware of everything around you and thinking clearly you also feel blissful and all right, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> That sounds like ecstasy, yeah. Um, it's an unnamed item that you have acquired. A mysterious leather bag of adventure. Can I choose to have a bad trip? No, it's not capable of it. Interesting. Continue. <laughs> hey, hey, Aaron, go ahead and take this syringe just in case he overdoses. That way, either one of us will be close enough to uh, help him. I accept the syringe. Just stab it right into his heart and, and hit the plunger. Oh, yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I'd like to do a medicine check on this cucumber. Yes. That's a 15 plus 7. 22? Yeah, um, so if you look up in the book, what a medicine check can do is that on a DC of 15 or above, it can detect the presence of poison sometimes. Depends on how you interpret the book. So I'm going to leniently interpret the book and say that you're able to detect poison. This is indeed one poisoned half of a cucumber. Well, sir, you are correct. This is indeed one half of a poisoned cucumber. Oh, no, he says. Hey, bo hey guys, Tanager, Aaron is poisoned. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't going to eat it. <laughs> yeah, but who who poisoned it? Oh, no, Uwe Berra says. Can you find the coyote? I'm worried about it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, actually. I have a mastiff with me. <laughs> you know, there's three different versions of coyote. I did not. There's the animal. There's a person who brings another across lines. And then there is... 
coyote, which is like true variable. They're the one who made a deal with rabbit and lit their tail on fire. Which coyote are we talking about? And again, Tanger is just munching indeterminable white pills. <laughs> Which coyote are we talking about? Uh, is this somebody who's bringing people across political lines? Is this someone who is challenging mythological belief? Or are we talking about an actual gray-colored dog? Yeah, uh, that one, sometimes it eats the tomatoes from my back garden. When you abut a park, the wildlife can be a problem. So we're looking for a vegetarian coyote. Do you guys want me to make this cucumber talk? <laughs> Wait, what? Yes. Yes, please. I was waiting for it, but I do have talk to plants. <laughs> All right, let's talk to Cucumber Rick. Okay. Yeah, let me just mark off the spell slot here. I don't know why I'm accumulating a, a southern accent, too. I just I pick up on these things, I guess. Because I'm a dick thing. It infects us. <laughs> nah. Once you hear someone else talking this accent, you can't help but also speak in kind. Now, please, you were saying what this cucumber might have been thinking? Uh, yeah, yeah. And let me just uh, pull up my spell and read it here so I'm sure I'm doing it right. Now, uh, are, you imbue... Are, are you sure that yes. it's just not going to start screaming in pain because it is half a cucumber? <laughs> oh. I'm not sure, but most plants can propagate pretty easily from cutting, so I think they're usually pretty okay with being cut like that. All right, proceed. <laughs> Uh, you imbue plants within 30 feet of you with a limited sentience and animation, giving them the ability to communicate and follow simple commands. You can question them about events in the spell's area within the past day, gaining useful information about the creatures, where they've passed, weather, other circumstances. I'm not sure if it would remember where it's been for more than a day. I don't know. Um, I can get them to do things for me, like snare people and use the entangle spell. But yeah, okay. So I am. I can animate all of the plants within thirty feet of me within with this spell, um, and I'm gonna first question the cucumber about where it came from. Ah, ah. <laughs> you had to give her that idea. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna say that until healing is used upon the cucumber, it's just gonna scream in pain. Oh, I have mending. Mending will join two pieces together. So it's possible that if you find the inanimate objects, yeah, this is it would not work on cucumbers. Well, aren't cucumbers inanimate? I think cucumbers are inanimate. Uh, they, <laughs> but but they're also <laughs> biological. It's meant to literally like put two pieces of steel together. DM ruling: cucumbers are inanimate. <laughs> so, do I use DM? You got yeah. If you want mending to be allowed on a cucumber, feel free. I would prefer that cucumbers are not animate objects. So. That's why I was hesitant. I'm like, I also have healing word or I can do mending. DM's choice. If you can find the other half of the cucumber and put them together and use mending to seal the join, then you can weld them together with mending. Or if you want to heal it, 
you can heal it right now and a skin will grow over the bite. All right. I, I, I use healing word and I whisper, shh, you're fine. You're fine. Brush it off. Just a scratch. <laughs> what a reassuring healing word that is. Does it gain hit points? It does. It gains four of them. Okay. All right. Average of, of four. I assume it only has one hit point, if any, being yeah. a cucumber. Can you read the spell? Like, what is it? Yep. Mm, let me go back to that one. Healing word level one. It heals a cucumber of your choice. <laughs> <laughs> a creature of your choice that you can see within range gains regains hit points equal to 1d4 plus your spellcasting ability modifier. It has no effects on undead or contracts. All right. Well, it's not quite undead yet. So. <laughs> yeah. So it, it regains its hit point and um, it stops screaming and a, a little green skin forms over the bite mark. And it's now just one of those weirdly shaped cucumbers with an oblong, like concave and convex butt. <laughs> it says, oh, thank you. Oh, I don't feel good. I don't feel good. I feel nauseous. But you look beautiful. Now, can we hear it talking or is it just you? Just Aaron. Ah. Yeah. Okay, so, little buddy, I need something from you. I, 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 I'm I, hoping we can make you feel better. That's fine. You can throw. You can throw up. That's fine. But where did you come from? Why are you here? Why are you poisoned? What's going on? A woman brought me here in a basket, like a gift. Mm-hmm. She also put some powder on me that absorbed through my skin and bleh. Uh-huh. Uh, do you remember where you were before? Like where you were purchased or grown? I was purchased at the market and cucumbers can't point. So I was about to point and then I was like, cucumbers can't point. Okay. Oh, this is like real life doodles, isn't it? Like, okay, picture real life doodle hands and it points <laughs> that way. <laughs> uh-huh. And do you remember what the woman looked like that brought you here? She was a pale woman with black hair and blue eyes, an aged Good. elf with an air of respectability about her. But then, this one time, I could have sworn that I saw her not a pale woman. She, like, got all wibbly-wobbly, and then she was, like, a man with brown, short hair. Super hot. Okay. The wibbly-wobbly or the man with the brown, short hair? Both. <laughs> did she bring you here directly from the market, or did she go home first? Right from the market, into the basket, with the powder, and then when we were alone, as a man, and then back to being a lady, and then I was here. And then I got thrown into that yard, and then the coyote bit me, and then that one points to... <laughs> I'm totally picturing the real-life doodle hands points mm -hmm. to the person <laughs> standing in the doorway <laughs> who's found another brown bag and is just eating little pills from it. <laughs> and then that one picked me up from the yard and put me on this porch. Okay, okay. Hmm. All right, guys, I'm going to loop you in here. Uh, the cucumber was bought by the old elven woman, although she did shapeshift into a man with brown hair at some point. She put a poisonous powder on it, and she came over here and gave it to this guy, and... Uh, the cucumber doesn't know why. Cucumber came here straight from the market. <laughs> the cucumber does not know why. <laughs> Tanger tapes 
takes like a just a small sip of liquor and looks at Aaron. Why? Can Aaron just rub this cucumber on on Chanitor? <laughs> yes, you can. Question mark. That will not enhance the question as to why have these events occurred. That's what we need to figure out. We figure out the why. Quay Bono. Who benefits? Okay, okay, hold on. Hey, uh, Cucumber Cumberbatch, um, <laughs> do you have any idea of why any of this transpired? Did you hear anything? Tanager also has speak to plants and will cast it. I will burn one of my level three spell slots just for the bit. Okay. And now it's Benedict Cumberbatch Cucumber in my head, for sure, since he said that. <laughs> so, so what did you ask, Aaron? Just is, did you overhear anything about the plan or why any of this is happening? Something about trustworthiness, needing to make a friend, mm-hmm. gift basket, said Benedict Cucumberbatch. I nuzzle under its bloom place. I don't know what a soft spot is for a plant. Who planted you? Jolanta Ducre. Okay. Mm, interesting. Well, we can find... We need to speak to this person. And I look at Aaron with, like, a knowing look, because we both have Speak to Plants cast on us. Okay. So, I'm thinking we need to find this Jolanda over at the market. She should be easy to spot. She'll be the one selling cucumbers. That's the farmer who sells it to the person in the market who sells it to the final person. <laughs> This has now become your most important NPC in this entire game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Um, well, we have some options. A, we could try to track down and see if the seller remembers, like, a, an emblem on her carriage, something like that. Uh, alternatively, I have a Mastiff. We could sniff the basket and see if the Mastiff can track this lady back to wherever she lives. Who knows? But those are my ideas. Anybody have any other ideas? Well, we also gotta check on this this wolf puppy doggy thingy. I'm sorry, what? Oh, the coyote. The, oh yeah, coyote guy. Yeah, we could do that too. I like the mastiff idea, but we should focus on perfume. I'm sorry. If perfume, yes, this is a vegetable that we have pulled from the garden, correct? Mm-hmm. But if anyone of note will be wearing a scent. This is what I know of nobility. So if there is a scent on the cucumber, that is our person. And if there is no scent, then we know we need to talk to the farmer. Okay. Because, yeah, yeah, like, you know, you see? Let me... Let's let's do a couple things. Let's do the Mastiff idea. Let's hold on to the cucumber. Let's... I know we can track the coyote based on smell from here. So I'm thinking maybe let's take the let's let's track the coyote via the mastiff and find out what happened to that. I'm guessing we're just going to find a corpse, but then we can move forward with some other plans. And you got to be careful with that mastiff and that that uh that that piece of food because it might eat it like the coyote did. Oh, I'll tell it. Sniff, don't lick. Could I make a 
nature check because I don't think coyotes are scavengers. Sure. I think they're predators, right? Well, the nature check would tell you. Yeah. So? DM does some quick Googling. (laughs) How did you know? (laughs) That'll be a 15. I don't think coyotes eat... Coyotes are scavengers and will eat whatever food is around. Three quarters of a coyote's diet comprises small mammals, including mice, rabbits, rats, and squirrels. The remainder is fruits, birds, eggs, vegetables, insects, and fish. From NorthAmericanNature.com. Thank you, NorthAmericanNature.com. Not a sponsor. (laughs) Uh, The more you know. Damn you, (laughs) NorthAmericanNature.com. Because you totally blew up my theory. (laughs) Yeah. Little did you know that you would be learning about coyotes on this podcast. (laughs) Bastards. (laughs) Well, I guess let's go track this thing. I'll do a nature check to see if I can figure out which way it went. Please roll a survival check. That's the skill used for tracking. Or make that a survival, which is not as good. Uh, Can we use the Mastiff to get a uh, bonus to it? The Mastiff does give advantage. Yeah. In the rules I see, keen hearing and smell. The Mastiff has advantage on wisdom, parentheses, perception checks that rely on hearing or smell. So this is a survival check, so the Mastiff does not apply. So actually, uh, I would get... Per, uh, I would actually, since my with my uh, with my big old nose, I would actually get advantage anyway. Smelling that coyote smell. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it does not smell good. So you have keen smell, thanks to your sensitive trunk. You have advantage on wisdom, perception, wisdom, survival, and intelligence investigation checks that involve smell. So yes, mechanically, you have advantage on survival checks that involve smell. Uh, wow. Really didn't need it. I got an, rolled an 18 and a 19, so uh, dirty 20. The three of you walk through the backyard of Uwe Berra, hop over Uwe Berra's fence, and pass into the trees of Beltran Park. You are now standing in the woods of Beltran Park. What skills would your character use to find this cucumber and potentially poisoned coyote? Let's do a skill challenge. A skill challenge is a storytelling scenario where the party as a whole needs to succeed six times on ability checks before reaching three failures. On your turn, set up your dilemma yourself, describe how you try to overcome it, then roll a d20 and add your ability modifier to find out if you do. If the party gets six successes, you pass the skill challenge and achieve a favorable result. If the party gets six failures, which is three failures, sorry, that's a typo. You fail the skill challenge and something bad will happen. So each person can only use a skill, for example, survival, once during the entire skill challenge. The same skill also can't be used by two different people in a row. Spellcasters, you can expend a spell slot to gain advantage on your role if you justify it with storytelling. So that first one was Dr. Crud Third succeeding. Yay! As he takes you following the trail of the coyote into Beltran Park. One pass. You now have five remaining passes or three failures before you end the skill challenge. We're going to go in order of just randomly determined of Dr. Crud III, Tanager, and then Aaron. And Tanager, you're up next. You cannot use survival. Set up your dilemma yourself. Describe how you try to overcome it. Then roll a d20 and add your ability modifier to find out if you do. Tanager would like to use insight 
at a plus five to determine exactly what is going on. If Dr. Crud reacts, Tanninger knows something bad is happening. So he is just using insight to how can I throw my body in a way that will help the situation. Can you describe your dilemma a little bit more so I understand what you're doing? You're currently standing in the woods, having followed Dr. Crud III here on the trail of a coyote that may be poisoned. And what are you trying to accomplish with this role? Have we determined if there's a coyote here or not? Yes, Dr. Crud III followed its scent. So Tanager would be throwing his form in front of the coyote. There, well, so there's you're not... At the coyote yet, you have entered Beltran Park. There's no coyote in sight, but you are on its trail because of Dr. Crud III, and that is going to remain true. You're going to keep following this coyote. You're on the trail of the coyote. Tanninger is being a little bit of a goofball. He is using insight to intuit where he thinks Dr. Crud thinks that the coyote is. And then Tanager is flopping his slightly flabby form just into the open space to distract the coyote if it was to come in. There's no coyote yet. You're on the trail of a coyote. So you're going to flop onto the ground of the woods? Yes. Like I said, this is supposed to be a little bit goofy. Okay. Go ahead and roll what? Insight? Okay. All right. Uh, okay. That's a 22. Okay, so making a goof to lighten the mood, the very hopped up on drugs, Tanager flops onto the ground of the woods, and Dr. Crud III, you find your heart lightened by this goofiness. You continue on the trail of the poisoned coyote. Tanager gives Dr. Crud like a firm thumbs up and says like, I got you, bud. <laughs> and he is just lying in the dirt. And Dr. Crud III, you recognize that Tanager flopped right near Poison Ivy. Not on it, but right next to it. All right, buddy. This does not amuse him. <laughs> okay. All right. After Tanager, it is Aaron. You cannot use Insight. I wasn't planning on it. Um, I am going to use Acrobatics so that I can continue following uh, Dr. Crud here, I'm going to use the acrobatics to jump over Tanager on the ground. Yes, sudden roadblock. What is your acrobatics roll? I rolled a 25. A third pass. They're halfway through this skill challenge, folks. As Aaron jumps nimbly over the sudden roadblock of Tanager doing a goof on the ground. We're back to Dr. Crud the third. You can't use acrobatics and you can't use survival. As Aaron, like, nimbly jumps over Tanager, Tanager does, like, that dad thing of being like, you gotta jump. And then, like, clearly Aaron knows what he's doing. <laughs> you gotta jump, Aaron. Dr. Crud, clearly, clearly concerned with how much Tanager has imbited, would like to do a medicine check to just to make sure that he's not about to die. Okay. Dr. Crud III leans down and presses his fingers against the pulse of <laughs> Tanager. You rolled a... 25. A fourth pass. As you discover that your friend is magically, but not chemically, inebriated and in no danger of death. Oh, thank God. 
<laughs> Can his pulse sound like a thumping rumba beat? Yes. It's a techno song, <laughs> in fact. It's not a normal heartbeat, but he's in no danger of dying. Tanager, we're back to you. We've got four passes and no failures on this skill challenge so far. How do you contribute to the search for the coyote? You can't use medicine or insight. You know what he's going to do. The goal is to find the poisoned coyote in the woods of Beltran Park. I am not very good with animals. They're weird and strange. Tanager would like to attempt a persuasion check. Just going like, come here, puppy. Puppy, puppy. <laughs> come here. Calling for the Trying puppy. to. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, can I do persuasion or do I have to do animal handling? You seem very interested in this persuasion skill. So I'm going to let you roll it. Uh, that will be a 27. A fifth pass. As we round upon the very last skill challenge. You guys, you're very good at skills now. My DC for this was uh, much lower than it should have been. Um, Aaron, would you like to finish off the skill challenge telling us how you find the puppy? You can't use persuasion or acrobatics. Uh, I think I am going to use my stealth skill. I rolled a 23. I am using this to help Tanager up, making it seem like I'm just being very friendly and supportive, but actually kind of dragging him through that poison ivy as I say, look, I think the coyote's up ahead. Here, come on, let me help you. Tanager very drunkenly looks back at Aaron going like, it's a dog. It's, it's a dog. Yes, it is, honey. And then like the poison barbs are like pulling away at his like thick sylvan like leg hair <laughs> Tanger is fully unaware of whatever danger he is put in, in in this moment if you've got thick leg hair I don't know if poison ivy would even affect you I mean it has to touch skin right so I don't know that's the bit yeah yeah I have never experimented with that, so I couldn't tell you. I don't know. I wouldn't want to do never that. Never grown thick leg hair. Get poison ivy. Well, all three of you talked at the same time there, so I have no idea what you said. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was just asking if the DM has never grown out her thick leg hair to test this. I don't think I could reach goat hair thickness. <laughs> well, you're just not trying hard enough. I asked, could a goat get poison ivy? Oh. uh... <laughs> Gosh, I don't they like eat it? I don't know. What oh, oh here comes the Google. Alright, and <laughs> And I said I wouldn't want to do that experiment anyway. <laughs> yeah, I would not. I mean, I have a goat with me here. Okay, ready? Unlike sheep, goats love poison ivy because it's leafy and thick. So you do drag him through that poison ivy and he's like snacking as you do. <laughs> okay. Alright. Sheep men are disgusting, weak beings, and satyrs are better than them. Very simple. The The war between goat men and sheep people has been raging for thousands of years. And just the fact that I can eat poison ivy and I enjoy munching this poisonous root shows sheep people are goons. <clears throat> so with that, uh, you all come across the coyote. 
a dog with very large ears and long, thin legs and just the most beautiful fur with white, black, cream, and brown areas and black-tipped hairs is laying on the grass, unmoving. Could I cast a spell? Sure. Uh, I'm just gonna double check. I would like to cast Fast Friends on this being. It is unresisting and your spell succeeds. It is unconscious. Medicine check. Okay. Let's see your medicine check. That's a nat 20, so that will be a 27 in in all. According to the player's handbook, a medicine check of 15 can determine if poison is present, but there is no medicine check that can cure poison. Okay. Well, um, I do have... Um, Doctor's prescription, which allows me to actually have a uh, a potion of lesser restoration, which will stop a poison. Yeah, it will. So I apply. I apply my one of my doctor's prescriptions. Absolutely, the lesser restoration doctor's prescription cures the coyote of poison. It is now unconscious, but no longer in danger of succumbing to the poison. I got. It'll be fine. Oh, well, um, I mean, I have cure wounds. Well, we don't want to wake it up. It might try to take a bite out of us. Mm, Tanger, do you have talked to animals? No, I'm not that kind of cleric. Well, I don't think it'll be able to tell us anything other than it ate a cu- half a cucumber and got sick. Mm. I mean, unless you really, really want a fur coat. Uh, I mean, I don't think I want that. Let me just look. Because I can heal it, sure. Um, oh! I mean, if we really want to get information, I have polymorph. Could I use that to turn it human? One second. You could. Like, and it would still have its... I need to read this. Its memories. It would be the same person but they would gain the stats of their new form. So you would be elevating an animal to a human-level intelligence. So could they comprehend what they were thinking? That's the question. Well, it looks like uh, the, the the target game statistics, including mental ability scores, are replaced by the statistics of the chosen beast. It retains its alignment and personality. Uh, yeah. So you would be an animal that has been suddenly elevated to human levels of thought. So yeah, it could be cool, but... What information is they going to have other than, I ate, I got sick, I ran away over here to die? I mean, that's probably true. You'd just be wasting a spell slot, in my opinion. Okay, do you think my dog can talk to it? What is the information we actually want out of this? I don't know. I ate the cucumber. I felt sick. I came over here to die. Well, why is the cucumber bad? (laughs) Oh, and you do see a half a cucumber next to the coyote. It looks like it threw it up. Oh, here, you can mend this. Now you can put it back together. (laughs) Sure, mending. (laughs) Can I? Well... The coyote is unconscious, but not in danger. Can I just put it in my bag of holding? It will die. Bags of holding it... do not have air. Oh. 
But I mean, yes, you can do that. As the DM, I probably shouldn't have told you that. I should have just let it happen. Mm. Oh, don't worry. I would have let him know that he was going to kill that dog if you put him in the bag. <laughs> yeah, Dr. Card III could definitely let him know. Isn't that how you got rid of... Yeah, I, I got a whole. Yeah. I got rid of a whole herd of pigs in my in my hole. Okay, <laughs> he stuck a herd of babirusas in a portable hole and suffocated them. <laughs> and then I sold them for a profit. Sounds like a hog roast. Well, we can leave this coyote to itself, let it rest, recuperate, and go on with our investigation. Um, can I'm wondering if we want to revive it. I can put like an ice cage over it. Just so we're not so we're sure it's not going to run away or bite us. I still don't see why we need to. We can just walk away and it won't do nothing to us right now. Well, then what was the point of tracking it here? It 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 seemed to to save its life, which we just did. <laughs> well, no, to figure out the relation between it and the cucumber. Clearly, there is something deeply wrong about this cucumber. The relationship is. It was there. He ate it. <laughs> Tanger takes a sip of gin. Yes, yes, absolutely, Dr. Crowd. You are correct. I really think you guys are overthinking the coyote and cucumber situation. I don't know. <laughs> there was a whole skill challenge already. Pr- so lead us then, cruddy boy. I mean, it's breaking the fourth wall a little bit here, but... Uh, I, I feel like there was a whole skill challenge designed to getting here. That means it's probably important. Well, it's always important to save a, a being's life. Bull, we kill stuff all the time. Wait, don't say we, because I don't. You're a doctor. Where's your Hippocratic Oath? Which is why it's still alive. Uh, okay. Um, I think I'm getting confused now. Okay, I'm just, I'm just going to try something here. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to use my shape water to create an ice cage over top of this thing. And then I am going to have my animal friends arrange themselves in a circle, all six of them surrounding. I'm hoping one of them can talk to this thing. Um, And then I am going to use another one of my spell slots and use healing word to give this thing back at least one (laughs) HP. I just want to see what happens. <laughs> it's not going anywhere. I, must I got know. lots of animals. <laughs> okay, so yeah, I say I use healing word. I say, "Hey, you're fine. Get up." <laughs> and it is. It is fine. It gets up. <laughs> okay. Um, can my mastiff or my dire wolf talk to it? Yes. The translation problems of the Mastiff are compensated for by the translation problems of the Direwolf, and they're both able to yip-yap at it in a way that effectively can talk to it as much as dogs can communicate to one another. Okay. Your butt smells good. And then... Yeah. <laughs> is that what they say? Oh, yeah. The first thing they try to do is sniff each other's butts. And I'm just checking. And then the coyote backs away from that cucumber. Okay... Mm-hmm. I'm trying to see how much because I know the elk can the elk talk to it you do not have any communication problems with this coyote oh perfect hey coyote what happened like I ate this cucumber I got real sick do you feel better now so much better <laughs> yeah that was us thank you do, do you know where this cucumber came from did you see anything the garden 
next to the park always has good vegetables. Not this time. I don't think I'll be eating those tomatoes and stuff anymore. Hmm. Can you show us where that where that garden is? Sure. Okay. Well, here, let me just release this ice cage here. We'll, we'll, we'll follow you. There might be some good scraps of meat in it for you. Yum. The coyote runs back to 82881 Huergo Street's garden. Boo. Okay. All right. Is there anything else you can tell us about all this? Don't eat the vegetables from this place, the coyote says to the wolf and the mastiff. Okay. All right. That's fine. So, so Aaron, before you translate, let me guess. I ate it. It made me sick. I came over there to die. You're so smart. This must be why you're a doctor. Okay. Why don't you... Okay, Mr. Smarty Pants. Why don't you take a sniff on this basket, and instead of tracking the coyote, let's see if you can uh, track the, the person who, who brought it here. Sure, I'll give it a try. And yes, I'm very smart. Thank you for the compliment. <laughs> How is Tanager doing, by the way? We haven't heard from you in a while. Did you follow them back to 881 Huergo Street? Uh, yeah, Tanager trusts his friends and is just quietly waiting until a moment where his very specific set of skills could be useful. What set of skills? Uh, social skills. You guys are investigating. Tanger is not good at that. As soon as another person enters the mix, maybe Tanger can do something, but instead he will just be quietly waiting in the back. All right, that's fine. Uh, I feel you. My skills are more social, too. Right? Like, there's literally not much I could do. I know. Who can I be spell to give away the information? There's nothing. But once we gleam some information from this subject, we can use this as leverage against actual people. And then our skills come into play. But we need the information first, so please continue, my investigators. Oh, is Uve still here? Yes. Uh, uh, hey, Uve, we actually saved that coyote. Thank you so much, adventurers. I really appreciate your help. As your reward, well, I have something that I wouldn't want an untrustworthy person to get. And with that suspicious person hanging around, it's probably safer if you have it. This is a Manhattan rod. And he, um, he's gonna, like, hold something in his hand. You'll want to only detonate this weapon in uninhabited areas. It has a range of 10 miles and an area of effect of 2.5 miles out in radius from your target. This is the ultimate weapon. The person who possesses this is the most powerful person in the world. Its power word is, and he leans in and whispers this last part to you three, boom. Can I get the size and shape of this object? Absolutely. It is a metal rod approximately the size and shape of a Sharpie marker, maybe a bit bigger, and it looks like it's made out of steel. Tanager uses it to stir his martini. Dr. Crud immediately grabs it from his inebriated friend, not trusting him with it. Yeah, re remember, Tanger, the detonation word ah! is loom. Loom. Tanger looks a little bit as sad that his friends don't have any confidence in him, that he could not stir his own martini with a deadly 
weapon. <laughs> Whatever. You did great. Dr. Crud hides it in his, on his person. There's a lot of him to search, so it will probably never be found. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I'm just, I'm just wondering, Uwe, do you have any idea who else knew about this? I couldn't tell you. I don't really talk much to other people. Do you want one of these? And he holds a leather pouch out to you. Actually, yes. Okay. Same exact thing as before. It's a little yep. pill, and you just feel really good. Oh, no. did he give me the pillow or the pouch? Oh, <laughs> you want... Okay, you can have either. I mean, he's got lots of both. Yeah, that might come in handy someday. <laughs> Especially for me. Um, all right. So, no idea. You don't talk to people. You don't really know anything about, oh, I don't know, um, who knew that maybe you were talking in a bar about this? No? He shrugs. I think what he's trying to say is, does anybody else know about the uh, the boom rod? He shrugs. Tanger kind of, like, looks up like, oh, I'm sorry, do you need someone to get information out of people? Go for it, Tanager. Oh, uh, oh, am I not entirely useless? Nobody said you were. <sighs> we just said don't stir your coffee with the uh, deadly weapon. Oh, yes, yes. Oh, same difference. Tantra looks and would like to make an insight check at the room to determine who is the coolest person in the room. Sure, roll an insight check. That's definitely Dr. Crud. That is a natural 18. It's definitely Jenny. Let's be real. Yeah. Half dragon, half elephant. Doing a four damage as a baby. She's going to grow up. Jenny. To be something darling. awesome. <laughs> Jenny, what are you drinking? Milk, right? I don't know. Oh, Jenny doesn't talk yet. Oh, wait. Is Jenny... The, 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 I'm <laughs> sorry. The coolest person in the room is Dr. Crud's daughter? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Tanger is deeply disappointed at the entire society of this city. I mean, dragons are cool. All right, whatever. It's a half lox loxodon, half dragon. It is awesome. A child is the coolest person in the room. Yeah. A baby dragon? Yeah. <laughs> Somebody has a poor opinion of children. I really like dragons. Oh, Tanager does not like children. Okay, well, there goes... <laughs> Once Tanager clocks that the coolest person in the room is a baby, <laughs> I can do nothing for this situation. Uh, Tanager? Otherwise, we just... Can you... Okay, question. Can you imagine showing up to high school and talking to the other people around and then Jenny being there and being like, oh, I've been on adventure since I was in the... the what is it? <laughs> Cloth front attachment? <laughs> Since I was in diapers. Swaddle. What it sounds like is I'm showing up to high school and there is a woman with a baby who's like, yeah, my kid is actually the coolest person here. And like, yeah, she's a cheerleader. But at the same time, she has an infant with her. Uh, no, I was talking about by the time Jenny's a high school. All right. So what are you guys up to? Tell me, you have your reward, the ultimate weapon. And I'm frankly shocked that Aaron handed that over to Dr. Crud to be confiscated. Uh, he didn't really intend to, but it just happened. And I was like, fine. 
<laughs> I'm certainly never going to set that off. <laughs> uh uh-uh, It's getting locked away. Aaron is not evil. He is chaotic neutral. <laughs> Interesting. He doesn't want that much chaos. Huh. I had totally pegged it that you would detonate the weapon. Wow. No. <laughs> All right. I'm learning more about you. So, uh, I guess we're going to do the try to follow my nose from the, from the basket. Yes. Nose, basket, her hands were on it. Let's see if we can sniff her out. All right. You know what? I'm going to let Jenny sniff it, and I want to fo- let Jenny follow it, because she has uh, the keen senses as well, and she has better perception than I do. Okay. Well, I should have just stuck to myself. Uh, nine plus three, twelve. You guys are walking down the street, Huergo Street, eh? I remembered. And walking to Beltran Park, which is a, a lovely park. It's like Central Park in New York City where it's um really big, lots of areas to it. There are many people in Central Park, and some of those people look familiar to you. So on your path to hunt down the person who touched the basket, you're walking past Beltran Park, and you see a human with dark hair and a beard, and a triton with blue skin, pointy teeth, a giant bushy tawny brown beard, thick eyebrows, and long flowing hair stand before you. The triton sees Aaron and jumps a little, surprised. Oh, hey! Uh, brethren! (laughs) Do I know who it is? Why don't you do a history check, Aaron? Okay. Uh, ooh, that was not a good roll. And I don't think I have a very good history. Let me just see. I rolled a 10. And my history is... Oh, it's a plus 4, actually. So 14. 14's pretty good. It would be hard to mistake your father's younger form. And he says, Aaron! I didn't expect to see you here so soon. I didn't expect to see you alive. Aaron, who's this? You gonna introduce us? This is awkward. Well, this... This looks a lot like my dad, minus about a hundred years. Um... Oh, he died, though. Well, if he's dead, he's looking real good for being dead. (laughs) Yeah, it runs in the family. (laughs) Oi, are you dead, too? (laughs) No, never mind. Um, Ankala? Yeah. He looks nervously at the man beside him and asks you, How has your mother been? The man next to him, who bears great physical resemblance to a certain young pirate captain of the Vengeful Lament that you have met, Aaron. Yes. Looks intrigued at this question. (laughs) How has your mother been, Aaron? Uh, Tanager would just like to sort of casually lean to Aaron and say there's no way that question has ever been posed politely. What, how's your mother been? That is always an insult, my guy. <laughs> well, that's that's my dad, so I, I don't know how, I don't know. Aaron is not that socially adept. Do you really think this is your father? It looks a lot like him. Are we sure? Well, hold on, I'm trying to figure that out. Oh, okay, Okay, mister, none of your questions about my mother. Who are you? Why do you look like my dad and his long-lost boyfriend? Son, 
I am your father. And do an insight check on him. All right. Uh, Tanger would like to give Aaron uh, insp- or bardic inspiration for this role. How are you imparting bardic inspiration? Role play it. He puts a deft hand on Aaron's shoulder and goes, this, this is not your dad. And I'm using uh, insight? Yeah. Tanger might be wrong, but he will at least let his uh, misunderstanding of the situation give Aaron context. Okay, well, I rolled a 19, plus 6 from your bardic inspiration, minus 1 for my skill, so 24. Absolutely. With the 24, you look deep into eyes very similar to your own, and you know that this is your father. Alcala, king of the Tritons. Uh, A lot younger than when you saw him last. Aaron, I am your father. (laughs) Aaron, I am your father. (laughs) Okay, well, there's a lot of baggage, because last time I saw you, you tried to kill me. Yeah, power is corrupting, isn't it? I've I've gained some perspective now that I've stepped away from the throne. You know, um, stepped away. Uh-huh. How are you here and alive? <laughs> I was assassinated in my own kingdom. Of course I'm dead, son. Tanager speaks up. This just doesn't seem right. I don't want to interject into your personal family drama, but shouldn't this guy be dead? He turns and looks at you and says... Aren't you dead, too? This is the afterlife. What? Would you like me to do a medical examination? I can tell you for sure whether he's alive or dead. Go for it. <laughs> Tanager looks to Dr. Crud for a medical examination. <laughs> Check me out, Cruddy. And as Dr. Crud is doing the medical examination, I do have a quote from the man that your father is with. And I'll zoom out. The camera zooms out as you hear the man shaking your hand and going, Aaron. So you're the Aaron that Al keeps talking about. Ah, yes. Did we meet already topside? Apologies for not being quite so talkative then. Age can be quite the curse sometimes. But no worries. I'm young and spry again. And the world is my small fishing vessel. So that's an official quote from Arland Artichoke. So we're going to zoom out. (laughs) And I will leave you guys there. Thank you for joining us for part one. Our heroes learn they're dead. And joining us this time were Aaron. Uh, I'm confused. <laughs> Tanager. Not dead. And Dr. Crud the Third. What the hell just happened? <laughs> Bye. We hope that you're enjoying this episode of the Fire Breathing Kittens podcast please leave us a review on iTunes.com. You can subscribe to receive new episodes through your podcast player or by visiting firebreathingkittenspodcast.com or finding us on YouTube. Can you think of someone who might enjoy this podcast? Please share it with them. We don't pay to advertise this show, so the only way we can grow is through the support of listeners like you. Thank you. You can find more adventures on Amazon.com in the bookstore, Fire Breathing Kittens, all one word, podcast. That's right, you can curl up with a good book based on one of our podcast episodes. 
the authors do a really great job of adapting them into fun novels. We also have official merchandise on redbubble.com. Yes, that's right. You really can own a notepad with the fire-breathing kitten logo on the front. Or one of your favorite characters. Welcome back to Fire Breathing Kittens, a 5th edition Dungeons and Dragons podcast. Everyone. <laughs> Joining us today are Dr. Crud the 3rd. I think we're all dead. <laughs> Tanager. Tanager, good fellow. We are definitely all alive. And Aaron, son of Alcala, Prince of the Tritons. I think the glass is both half full and half empty. <laughs> Everybody, please roll a d20. Three. Sixteen. Yeah, it's going to be a seven. Okay. Who is the closest to the number that you probably can't see? That's a twelve. I don't know if it's showing up or not. Can I get closer to the... No, whatever. It's a twelve. So who's the closest to the twelve? Yeah, that would be me then. Okay, so... uh. What happened earlier was we were all in the the guild hall. It was strangely empty. Um, we had a discussion about bringing a child on an adventure. Uh, oh, and she also decided to uh, make a snack out of Tanager, and he was weirdly okay with that. Went to the job board. There was a job posted that was said that uh, a coyote ate a half ate a cucumber that was possibly poisoned and uh, it was given to them by somebody some by a, a woman that was pale woman elf blue eyes black hair and so it was two towns away we hit the the rails and went over there we found the the person for the job he uh, gave us a little bit of information uh, so we decided we were going to go uh, see the wolf, make sure it was okay. We found the wolf. It was not okay. It was poisoned. We healed the wolf and then debated for the next half hour whether we were going to get any good information out of the wolf. We didn't. And then uh, we went to go find the purse, the woman by sniffing her out. Jenny took the lead with that one. She did so good, brought us to the park that we were already at. And we found... <laughs> Uh, Aaron's dad and his boyfriend and Dr. Crud then started doing medical examinations and still not clear whether he made the determination that we that they were alive or dead yet. And Tanager also wanted an examination. The examination results are that the people you are examining are indeed moving, breathing, heart beating, talking, alive. All right. Well, I can distinctly hear your heart beating that you're breathing so you are definitely alive tanager come on over here let me check you out uh tanager allows himself to have a physical well, other than your busted up hand i would definitely say that you are definitely alive but didn't everyone said we were dead i think that's your drug addled mind no i'm Pretty sure. Like, yes, I do have a drug out of mind, but that doesn't... Didn't they say we were dead? Well, I think everybody thought they were dead, and now I have distinctly proven that they're alive, so... 
We're 50 Biologically. I think we're 50-50 on that point right now. Can you remember things? A, B, C, yes. Okay, well, maybe we're alive then. So, Aaron, it's your daddy. Maybe we should... Yeah, maybe we should ask them. So, okay, this is the afterlife. How did you guys get here? <laughs> oh, you're funny, son. I, it does take a while to sink in. It did for me, too. But this is the afterlife. I'm dead. I was assassinated in my own kingdom. And I believe you were there when Arland died. He told me you were. Yeah, um, but I mean, what happened after that? Because well, was there like a big light walking through a tunnel? Because we didn't get any of that. There was. There was a bright light at the end of the tunnel, and we walked along, and we arrived here. Okay, because we walked along a dirt, a dirt. We walked along a dirt path, and I, I'm not so sure this is the afterlife for us. Yeah, uh, Tanager looks at Doctor Crud like a person looks at their physician, being like, you, "No, we're not dead, right?" All biological functions indicate that you are alive, that I am alive, that they are alive, that everybody's alive. But, I mean, okay. if we are in the afterlife, all biological functions could indicate that we are alive because we're in different spiritual bodies. Could I make a religion check on what it means to be alive in the afterlife? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Tanager has very small bonus. That's a 16. With a 16, you would say that it would not make sense to be dead in the afterlife. It is in the name. Afterlife. So, again, I'm sort of looking back to Dr. Crud for confirmation. Like, we're, we're alive. I'm pretty sure we're alive. Well, just because it's the afterlife doesn't mean that it's the same semblance of life that we had before. It could be a different semblance of life, whether we have biological functions in the afterlife and whether we have biological functions in the non-afterlife. I mean, it's it's all up for interpretation. Tanager would motion Dr. Crud and Aaron closer to him so he could have a private thought. So why do... Aaron. I'm paying attention. Aaron. Why do they want us to think we're dead, then? I don't know. Que bono. I don't have a better explanation for this, except maybe Mantle of Whispers, but that would be very strange that they would have caught both of their deaths. Uh, this seems to be really connected to you. So, like... It does. Yeah, like... What do you have some personal issues you need to work? Because we can again. I'm like huddling up with Aloxodon, <laughs> a Triton, and my little satyr form. We could talk about your issues real quick and bang this stuff out. Well, what we could do is we could start asking around, see if other people think they're dead. Sure. Yeah, but I really think this is all Simmons' fault, because he's actually not that cool. Like, I get it. He's a furbog. He's, like, six foot five. Like, it's super dope. But, like, I don't like it. I don't trust it. Anyway, yeah, maybe we're dead. Tanager's... Can he still sip liquor in this realm? Yeah, you have been all day. Oh, well, Tanager firmly believes he's alive. <laughs> 
Okay. Okay. Just looking up fur bogs. Oh, uh, they they suck. I know. You don't. But I want a picture. Don't bother. Just imagine like a big nerd who like sucks. And that's pretty much what Simon looks like. Steel blue skinned, pointy eared, muscular, gentle giant with shaggy brown hair and beard. The pictures online are much less sexy than I was imagining. Okay, Correct. interesting. <laughs> now, could your. Uh, anyway, uh, we gotta figure out why we have been put into this semi death state. Yeah, let's let's ask around some other people, see if everybody here thinks they're dead. This is actually something I'm very good at. Okay, do a little reconnaissance. I'm going to keep an eye on these two. Uh, so Tanninger starts singing one of the ancient hymns. In the afterlife, you'll be buried with a terrible strife. Um, that old Squirrel Nut Zipper song. Uh, generally just trying to walk around, seeing if he can get a reaction out of people. Because if they're really dead they won't care if someone reacts to someone elbowing and singing a dumb song from the 90s like they're someone worth talking to does anyone react to a oh no well i can't take less than a 10 so that'll actually be a 18 persuasion check just to see if anyone reacts to like an exciting presence sure this is lee colas a halfling and he admires your song and tomorrow there'll be health to pay oh hey bud uh hey do you know where we are exactly and like why we're here oh you must be new this is the afterlife yeah, no, I, I've gleamed that, but, like, why are we here, bud? Well, I was... Do you want some gin? Uh, no thanks. Tanger looks confused and allows him to speak. <laughs> well, I was 200 years old, and I had a heart condition. That's why I'm here. So how do we get out? <laughs> oh, you're new here. Oh, I'm sorry, you don't know me very well. I believe deeply in deicide. I will get all of us out of here. My buddy, Dr. Crud, is a pacifist. He's a healer. You think he's going to let everybody suffer in this dimension? Uh, um, geographically, where are we? Uh, the halfling edges away from you slowly, because you sound like a crazy person. So, um... The afterlife. Well, good luck adjusting. Bye. It's it's kind of nice we have this place to go to after we die, so I would prefer it if you uh, didn't. Like, um, I don't know what you're trying to do. Bye. And he, halfling runs from you. <laughs> Tanager turns on a heel, looks back at his friends, and goes, They suck. Okay, well, it seems like they certainly believe it. Um, hey, Dad, where do people enter? the afterlife is there like a, a portal or something that we could take a look at well son they they sort of materialize like that hit show star trek where the the beams of light kind of condense into a person okay but that didn't happen with us we just walked in we took a train 
We took a train. Oh, do you think the whole... Because I thought it was just the park. No? Well, Aaron, are we really sure this is your dad? I'm pretty sure. I got a good insight check. He recalls your childhood with you when you were but a wee thing and how you had your sharp teeth and how you would eat fish with it and how your favorite one was a yellow fish with blue stripes. Yeah, they are tangy. (laughs) Okay, probably your dad. (laughs) Okay. But how many years ago did your father die? Oh, not long ago. Um, actually, just just when I joined the, the kittens, a few months. And in in story, by the way, it has been three years since you joined the guild. Oh, has it? Yeah. Okay. Well, here's my train of thought. We need to get to the person who's been in this undeath realm the longest so like maybe your dad knows your grandpa or your great grandpa uh tanager is not close to his family so he has no familial connection but maybe if you have a connection to someone who's been here for like 200 years they would have greater insight about what this realm is like i'll roll with it um, I'm also just wondering now the expanses of this world, like when did we enter the underworld? Is it like when we got off the train or is this whole city underworld? I don't know. Well, I mean, the, the, it was strangely empty that there was nobody was in the, uh, the guild, no noosey, no nothing. Oh, you think even before we got on the train? Tanager looks with like a pale face. Have we been dead this whole time? Are we in the sixth sense? <laughs> I see dead people. Are we Bruce Willising right now? <laughs> okay. Oh my god. But the bee lady was there. Oh, uh, this, we do have a child with us. Can she see us? <laughs> Who the hell murdered my daughter? <laughs> no, no. The theory is, if we're going with the Sixth Sense theory, she is the only person who's actually alive, and she's just seeing ghosts this whole time. Jenny, uh, (laughs) is this true? (laughs) Goo goo. Spit young. Oh, okay, I'll let him know. Gah, gah. Okay. No, actually, because of what she is, we have a telepathic connection. So we can communicate normally. Ask her if we're dead. Uh, yeah, she told you, she said that you are not even close. Well, that's a compliment. I, I don't necessarily believe that, but she's very firm that we are not currently dead. As firm as we are, whether we're currently alive. <sighs> so Aaron was on a train of thought there, that there was yeah. a train station, and there was a bee lady there. Yeah. People that I know to be alive, or at least recently alive, the bee lady... Oh, but she didn't remember me. Was it... Uh, was it the same bee lady? Uh-oh! Uh-oh, Aaron remembers that he's having trouble telling bee people apart. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not racist, I swear! Ah, <laughs> uh, that would explain... Like, thinking back, have we actually run into anyone that we know... And that we know to be alive 
since we woke up in the guild this morning. Who do we know that is 100% dead, aside from your dad, Aaron? Uh, we know... Oh, shoot, what's her name? Uh, Sin... What is her character's name? We killed her. Sitara. Sitara. Yes, we know Sitara's dead. Oh, Sitara specifically has... So, by the way, D&D characters have different afterlifes, and Sitara specifically described her essence as returning to the stars. Do you remember? She did. She did. Yeah, so D&D characters have all different afterlifes. I love how much Tanager's refusing to talk to Simmons, the kind. That's great. All right. Well, that's because he sucks and he's a big nerd. <laughs> that's fine. What? That's fine. Keep going. Keep going. <laughs> Wouldn't you want to talk to him because now that you, now you know he's probably dead? I'm sorry. Did you say would Tanager like to dunk his head in the toilet like a total middle school nerd? Because, yes, I would love to do that. No, I was asking uh, if you wanted to gloat over the fact that he is dead and, and you are not, maybe? <laughs> oh, a grim realization comes over Tanager. He hates Sim and the Kind, but he loves his ex. And if she was happy with Simmond and now he's dead, he absolutely needs to bring this person back to life to make her happy. Aww. God damn it. <laughs> That's character growth. How dare you make me feel. And I point at just the sky. <laughs> All right. Full Karen mode. Tanager would like to make a religion check and scream, who is in charge here? <laughs> oh, blast you. Blast you, I rolled a 17. Okay. Um, uh, well, so make a wisdom saving throw. No. Uh, 18. Okay, you get a little piece of paper floating down like a feather from the clouds <laughs> and it lands right in front of you you can snatch it out of the air if you want or it can land right in front of your feet if you don't i immediately pass it to dr crud wow looks like god's passing notes <laughs> dr crud reads it and it says yul shevchenko it uh well god says that uh yul shevchenko you know the guy we, we, we that hired us for this job no or, no? That was different. That was Juve Barrow. Oh, I'm sorry. They're, they're just so sounding. All right. So, yeah, the Cinco guy is the one in charge, apparently, according to this, uh, this little pass-me-down note. So uh, why don't you ask your 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 your, pers- your 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 deity up there, since you got this one answer, where the hell he is? He's not that kind of god. Uh, where is Simmond? I know what I need to do. Uh... Make a wisdom saving throw. <laughs> Ooh, nat 18, so I think that's about a 21. You receive another feather of paper, this time with a map that you can very easily follow. It's kind of like a, a arboretum, a tree sanctuary in the park where, the, you know, those places where there's plaques on the ground next to the tree telling you what species it is? I am mad at God for a number of reasons. And I pass my new note to Dr. Crud. <laughs> you really, player, you do not have to talk to Simmond if you do not want to. I. I have to. Oh, okay. But you, for the, for, I'm telling you, for the plot, you do not have to. So, like, just letting you know, like, it, it's not required yeah, to advance. It, it was just an option. 
It provides story symmetry. Okay. Bye, Aaron's dad. And Dr. Crud will... F- oh, he's coming with us. Follow the map. Apparently with <laughs> NPCs in tow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Arland Artichoke the first and Alcala Atalantica are just glad to see you and hang out. Um, you know, if if they had been together in life, you probably wouldn't have been born. So you're like their bonus kid. You're like the kid that they couldn't have had themselves. Aww. <laughs> uh, they offer you an ice cream <laughs> as you're walking through the park. Oh, can I have one? Oh, I love ice cream. Tanager looks jealous. Can I have one, too? Oh, buddy. <laughs> and Jenny. Yes. <laughs> they buy ice cream for you and your friends. And Jenny. Jenny wants and one. And Jenny. And they're trying to make up for lost time. Because no, heaven has ice cream. <laughs> Tanager tries to ignore how cute it is watching Jenny eat ice cream as a baby. Is her I mouth? I don't want kids. Is, is, is her mouth the elephant part or the dragon part? Elephant part. Elephant head okay. with a dragon body. Gotcha. That's so cute. It is. It's absolutely adorable. Whatever. I don't want kids. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I think we just decided that we have a new objective here, right? At first it was this task, which I thought was finding the, the shapeshifter lady. But now I'm kind of wondering if our task is to escape from the underworld. Well, yeah, I mean, if uh, she's here, means she's dead. So we ain't got to worry about her if this is mm-hmm. actually the afterlife. I know Dr. Crud has confirmed we are alive, but we are still in the afterlife, and that does not sound good to me. Well, everybody's alive, so that doesn't necessarily mean that we are alive in the sense that we've always known that we were alive. I just would really like to... Well, I guess this realm does have ice cream, so... I mean, are we just dead? And, you know, they have never-ending bags of drugs, which is exactly what your heaven is. (laughs) No. Tanager looks off to the side (laughs) and thinks about what his actual heaven is, and... Make a wisdom saving throw. (laughs) No, stop making me do that. Oh no, he rolled a four. Nothing happens. You know what I'm wondering? I kind of wonder if the way out of this place is to blast a giant hole in it. Like a uh, 2.5 mile hole in it. Oh, you mean this bomb that has a 10 mile radius with a 2.5 mile melting point? Yes, 2.5 mile radius with a 10 mile range. Yeah, that. No, but come on, I need that for martinis. (laughs) Honey, I have something else you can stir your martinis with. (laughs) Tanager has been (laughs) neutered. (laughs) Tanager, make a wisdom saving throw. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) Nine. Tanager, nothing happens. Why are these guys looking constipated all of a sudden? Okay. All right. Well, let's go and find Simmond here. I'm very interested in finding this person. Let's just let's just go see what happens. Come on, Dad. Let's go. <laughs> As we're walking, Tanager is like, "But you know he sucks, right?" Like, I do, honey. I know. 
Like it's he's he's not even that buff. Like it's all just like show muscles. There's no actual strength there. And like fruitbolts are naturally much taller than satyrs, so it's actually kind of unfair. And Tanager is just purely spinning out into depression. Hmm. Pop another pill. Aaron opens his little bag and pulls out a pill. <laughs> Here you go, honey. Here you go. Just one. Tanager eats it like a baby bird. <laughs> Ooh, all right. Tanager, you feel at peace and happy. Okay, so we're marching. Do we find the Arboretum? Absolutely. And you can see Simmond, who again is a steel blue skinned, pointy eared, muscular, gentle giant with shaggy brown hair and beard. He's doing something to one of the trees that looks like maintenance. As not a tree specialist, Aaron, you're not sure. Maybe if this was kelp, you could tell. Yeah. He's probably breaking it. Hi, Simon. Hi. So, are you in charge here? Uh, I mean, I, I'm allowed to tend these trees, I promise. Hmm, we, we were kind of led to believe that you might be in charge here, or somebody who is in charge is going to be here, or, uh... Are you dead, too? Yeah? Tanager stomps up. Oh, you! so you died. So you left her alone. I, so you failed. I, I, I didn't leave her on purpose. Oh, you just sucked so much I, that you failed her. That's what happened. Uh, uh, I was in the grove. You were the one that... Oh, oh, I'm sure you were. I'm so sure you were. Let's get you back there. Maybe you can try again. But I was in the grove, and there was a windstorm, and a tree branch knocked the back of my head open. I don't think I can go back to that body. Oh, so you suck at tending trees. You let there be branches that... Imagine if it was her. Imagine if it was her, you sucky little suck boy. He curls into the fetal position and cries. Tanager continues to berate him and just truly gets a bunch of stuff off his chest. <laughs> Dr. Crud will walk over to him and embrace him and say, it's okay, he's just got some issues he's working through, you're awesome, you're fine, and starts petting Simmons' head. Send him back, Crud. She choosed him. Send him back. You're a doctor. Can't you heal things? Yes, uh, we healed that dog earlier, which I still don't understand how that happens if we're all dead anyway. How do you, how would you suggest I send him back? Repair the damage to the body. All right, how are we going to do that when we're here too? An exaggerated mage hand? Has he been buried? How long have you been dead, suck boy? And I kick him. <laughs> <laughs> a year. You've been dead for a year. Yeah. Tanager doesn't know how to feel about this. Hey, Simmond. Uh, have you seen an old elf lady with blue eyes and long dark hair? No. How about a human man with brown hair carrying a basket? It's possible there are a lot of people here. I, I don't think so. Because I think there's something going on, and I think we need to find this lady. Do you have any? Do you know anybody here who's really good at finding people? No. Hmm. Tantra mutters, "Of course not." <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Right. Okay. Do you know where the deity of this plane is? Or, or perhaps, Simon, do you know how to steal someone's ex-girlfriend? Maybe that's more in your perfume. <laughs> All right. And with that, he's just crying and crying. He doesn't know where the deity is. He doesn't know where those people are. He's just a very sad steel blue skin man. <laughs> this gentle giant. Good. Uh, the way you find a deity is through faith. So, like... We need to figure out the way this realm prays, and then if we pray the correct way, it'll guide us. Do a religion check. It's... Ugh, I'm not that kind of cleric. While he does this, Aaron discreetly slips Simmon the pill. <laughs> Simmon calms way down and stops crying. I love this item. <laughs> <sighs> he sucks. You know he sucks. Oh. <laughs> uh... 13 for Tanager. Okay, a 13 is better than 10, so I'll tell you. There are many planes, and there are as many afterlifes as there are types of people and races of people in Dungeons and Dragons. Officially, that's canon. There's lots of afterlifes. So, I think. Don't quote me. Anyway, there's editions of D&D. In at least one of the editions of D&D, that's canon. So, um, if you could make an inference on this plane... If you had a few more clues, you could narrow down exactly which plane of the afterlife it was. Or you could roll higher than a 13. <laughs> Interesting idea. I posit to my compatriots, could we party so hard that we would die and go to the plane of revelry? And then my god would absolutely just like plop us back on the prime material. Do a wisdom saving throw. <laughs> no. <laughs> I kind of wonder if this is like the plane of the like afterlife of the lovers, because it seems like both of the major characters we've met so far have been that kind of story. Is that a thing? Well, that I, I think you're on to something, but I think what you're forgetting is Simmons sucks. So like there's. No, you haven't let us forget that. There's no possible way. <laughs> what was your saving throw result? It was an 11. Okay, yeah, nothing happens. <laughs> well, I could try uh, to remember my, I mean, my roots started in as a uh, cleric, so I could try my hand at religion and see if I, I can come up with something. Can, yeah. can I do that? Okay. No, I can't. As a nat <laughs> one. <laughs> on that one. Oh man, with the natural one, all you know is that there are some planes, there are some lawful planes, some chaotic planes, and some neutral planes, and that's all you got. I don't know nothing. <laughs> well, you know that there are types of planes with the most basic possible information. There's lawful, neutral, chaotic. Aeroplanes. <laughs> Solid. Aaron, what's your religion check? Oh, you know, I, I didn't do one because that's not my thing, but I can. Yeah, do one. You guys are stuck. I'll help you. <laughs> religion, religion. Well, I mean, we're stuck. I got a 13. <laughs> yeah, there's chaotic planes, lawful planes, and neutral planes. And you could really narrow down a lot of stuff if you did some experiments, but you guys have not done any experiments on what kind of plane you're in. Oh, um... Let's see. I mean, gravity seems 
Tanninger has an idea, but he doesn't want to do it. What's your idea? Make him call out to her. She's a cleric. She knows people. She might be able to resurrect him. And in that resurrection, it might rip a hole that we could just sort of like, you know, uh, what's that word when you stow a stowaway? We could stow away on the resurrection spell. But like, I really think her love for him might be the strong enough conduit. <laughs> Tanager's uh, teeth are cracking. His He's so gritted. Yeah, Simmond. Tanager, you feel a hand on your shoulder, and a tall, steel-blue-skinned man, a gentle giant, reassures you that he has called for her many times. I've... You all seem real stuck, so I'm going to progress to the next thing. Just because you, you guys... So as you're doing experiments or not, or as you're just... Can Tanager just punch him in the stomach real quick? <laughs> yes, you can. <laughs> just reflexively, when the hand touches his shoulder, he just real quick pops him in the gut. The gentle giant says, all right, no physical contact. I respect your boundaries and steps away. <laughs> oh, you're just so nice, aren't you, Simmond? <laughs> so, it's as you guys are... So the condition to activating this is that the players have realized they're not in Nikamui anymore and have played around a bit with the morphic space. If they wish for anything, they roll a wisdom saving throw on an 18 or up, it appears. You didn't really do that, but we're going to just give it to you. All right. Ready. You guys hear... Okay. You guys hear a pig squeal. You hear grunting. And from deep in the recesses of the arboretum... The squeals and the grunting are getting louder and louder. Dr. Crud III, what emerges from the shadows of the trees is a familiar shape to you. You've met this creature before in the adventurer, three adventurers and a baby. The tusks curl upwards through the deer pig's snout, above its face, and back towards its eyes. Not only met Dr. Crud III, you killed this juvenile male Babirusa and his entire family, and you sold them for meat. Everyone, roll initiative. <laughs> you were wondering when the person who you knew who was dead was going to come out, weren't you? Hmm. Yeah. It could have been, so I was thinking about it, and I was, it could have been the golem who got killed mm -hmm. in the pocket dimension, or it yeah. could have been, since this is a pocket dimension of death, it could have been the Bobby Rusa. <laughs> so. I got an eight. 21. I got a 22. Dr. Crud Third, you're up first. You're a hundred feet away from the male Bobby Rusa charging at you to avenge his family. Alright guys, I got this. I know exactly what to do. Just stay behind me. He will throw his hole on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> and he's going to do his his call to attempt to get it to run into the hole again. Do an animal handling check. Do you remember what you rolled last time to make that happen? I do not. <laughs> it was a natural 20. Was it? Yes. You're making faces. Is it a natural 20? Oh, guess what? <laughs> it is. Oh, my God. Is it a 20? No way. Yes, it was. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. 
You oh, said yeah. it as I rolled it, and it came up. You hear the sound of a flute from far above you in the sky, and the babirusa that was running straight for the hole shakes its head, throwing off the confusion, and you've received another clue. Aaron may or may not remember about flutes. Flutes? I remember the one from the food skill challenge with the tents. Was there another flute? So with that clue, the babirusa does not run into the hole, but it definitely would have if it was on his own. And you now you know it's not working alone. You uncovered a secret clue. Tanager has a wild idea. Does he go next? No, Aaron goes next. Aaron, you're a hundred feet away from the babirusa. Well, first off, I am going to activate my flying boots and use my movement to go up in the air. And I'm going to command my animals to run forward and attack, but they won't reach yet. So they're just going to start moving towards things at various speeds. Uh, You got to go around the hole. Yeah, I'll tell them. Thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) How far up in the air are you? Uh, It's my movement speed, so 30 feet. Mm-hmm. That's why I got those boots. <laughs> I'm guessing these things don't have a uh, ranged attack, and I mean I could do some, but no, I'm just gonna I'm gonna leave it be. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna end my turn there. Okay. And at the start of your next turn, tell me how far away all those animals are. Okay. 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 It is Paolo's turn. He never asked his name before you killed him. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we had a chance. Charging at you with the rage of the murdered. Flames erupt around his hooves. He runs on flaming hooves above the ground with a fly speed of 60 feet. So he actually can can get pretty far. (laughs) He runs towards you. Does he reach 88 miles per hour? No. Does not go back in time. Ah. Yeah. But he does get to within 40 feet of you. And Aaron, I don't know if any of your animals are were able to get 40 feet away. That one's 30. That one's... Oh, a giant goat is 40. Regular goat is 40. Giant goat! Okay, giant goat. Okay. All right, well then, the two that went more than 40 are going to get opportunity attacks as the Paolo, the Bobby Russo, runs past them. And then the giant goat is going to be attacked... With a 15 to hit. That hits. Take 10 bludgeoning damage and make a constitution saving throw. Five. It fails its constitution saving throw as the flamed hooves strike the giant goat. Tanager smells a familiar delicious smell of cooked goat. Bad. (laughs) Bad. Not good. I'm hungry, but not Bad, bad, bad. <laughs> <laughs> and at the start of each of its turns, it must take an infernal wound. So uh, please remember that it's going to lose on average 10 hit points at the start of each of its turns. What was the damage that it took as Paolo ran past the giant elk and the dire wolf? Uh, well, the ones I already rolled, it was a 7 to hit and then a 16 to hit. Do either of those hit? Neither of those hit. So the giant elk and the dire wolf miss as... Paolo, the babirusa from heck, runs past them and stomps on your 
giant goat. Okay. Now that it's reached its location, it also makes two other attacks. It tusk attacks your normal goat. I do not imagine the goat will survive this. That is a 25 to hit. Nope. 15 piercing damage. Yeah, it's dead. It had 4 HP. Oh, the normal goat is down. And then it uh, received some attacks of opportunity attempts, so it's going to hurl flame at the giant elk. Okay. Does a 22 hit your giant elk? Yes. It takes 14 fire damage. Okay. All right. All right. And that is the end of Paolo's turn. It's 40 feet away from Dr. Crud III, and... Whew. Uh... Well, that's one pissed off pig. <laughs> yeah. Well, and also away from Tanager. Okay. Tanager, now it's your turn. You're 40 feet away from Paolo, the murdered Babirusa. If I was to use a move action, would I incur an attack of opportunity? You're 40 feet away from it. You would not incur an attack of opportunity. So then I would use my action to use Invoke Duplicity, my trickster cleric ability, to summon a spellcasting double of me. And then my bonus action to use my Echo Knight ability to summon a double of me that I can attack from. And then Tanager runs away. (laughs) (laughs) How far do you get? Uh, I have a 35 movement speed, so... Alright, you're 75 feet away from the Babirusa, and I should point out that you pass Simmond the Kind as you run away. Who is standing there, uh, mouth agape. I spit at him. Um, I can attack and cast spells from my things, so effectively I'm still in combat. I'm just putting my body away from danger. Much more than Simmond, the simpering little fool, is doing. Hiding in a corner like a... A fool and a coward. <laughs> you hate him so much. Okay. Is that the end of your turn? I'm jealous. It's all jealousy. <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, I would... So I use both of my actions. Uh, so I can't really do anything until the next turn. But again... I can still cast spells and attack as if I was in range of combat. Got it. Is that the end of your turn? Yes. Dr. Crud Third, we're back to you. You're 40 feet away from Paolo. Pig you killed that one time. Got one question. Aaron, where are you at? I don't remember. I am 30 feet up. Okay. Are you planning on engaging? I am planning on engaging from a distance. Okay. Um, well, then... I know this pig is coming right for me. <laughs> and How do you it, know that? <laughs> I highly doubt that it's going to, that hole, I'm going to be able to keep this hole between me and him. So I'm going to use my pacifist skill, which will uh, allow me to use an action to heal or give temporary hit points uh, to an ally, ally equal to two of the hit dice and plus my intelligence modifier. So I'm going to apply that to myself. So that's going to give me. So that's going to give me 19 temporary HPs. <laughs> All right. 
That's a good amount. Yeah, I'm going to need it because this thing is coming right for me. And um, I'm also going to... In, can I investigate that uh, flute from the sky? Absolutely. What do you want me to do for that? Whatever you want to do. Uh, perception, I guess? Sure. Or investigation? Whatever you want. Okay, I'm going to do investigation because that's a little bit better. Uh, it's going to be a 19. Okay, what are you like looking for? Like, What do you want? I'm trying to figure out what the heck's going on from the sky that uh, that's made the pig fly. Okay. Um. Or allowed the pig to shake off my uh, my animal handling. Okay. Uh, you know that animal handling is often done through a form of communication with an animal, and that a lot of people like whistle train dogs, for example. A person with a flute could flute train a pig. A person who likes pets. Can I see the person if I look up? You cannot see a person. Uh, guys, it looks like God's pissed and he uh, flute trained this pig and uh, yeah, we gotta get rid of the pig. Put it in the hole and I'll close it up and put it in my pocket. I don't have firm reason. I really think this is Simmons' fault. <laughs> I know you do. Is that the end of your turn, Dr. Crud the Third? It sure is. I beef myself up. Who do we know who knows animals? Simmons. Do we have that many other characters? We know this place is based on desire, and Simmons' desire is to suck and make my life hard. So, I really think this is his fault. But he looks terrified. Aaron, it's your turn. Okay. Um, I am going to, to again, 30 feet up, uh, move towards uh, the people here, and I am going to try to cast Polymorph. Uh, which has a range of 60 feet, so I think we should be good. Um, it seems like there, correct me if I'm wrong, there's some pigs, but then there is also, uh, like, the main person who's not quite a pig, but like a pig man. Your enemy is a pig called Paolo. Okay, so Paolo is the only enemy. There's not Paolo and also a pig. That is correct. It's just funny to me that the pig no. has a name, and okay. its name is Paolo. So that's what happened. Uh, sometimes your DM just gives everything a name. Okay, well, first, I am going to ask my animals to, and I know infernal damage, um, to hit. I think there's only two. Does a 16 hit Paolo? Oh, yeah, that's right. At the start of the turn, the one that has infernal damage, please take 10 damage due to its infernal wound. Gotcha. And does, uh, does, it, does a 16 hit it? No. And then does a 20 hit it? Yes. Okay, take 19 damage from the giant elk. Got it. And then I am going to use Polymorph. Please have it do a wisdom saving throw. Paolo, that is. 22. 22. So it succeeds on its wisdom saving throw and nothing happens. That's my turn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've, I've been there with Pidge. Yeah. Yep. All right. At the end of your turn, it's Paolo's turn. Uh, so it is currently 40 feet away from its target, Dr. Crud III. It has a movement speed of 60 when it flies on its flaming hooves, so it runs right to you. Now, Aaron, you're 
zero feet away from it horizontally and 30 feet up. Tanager, you're 35 feet away from it. And Dr. Crud III, you're zero feet away from it. It's going to multi-attack. It's going to... Real quick, real quick, does his animals get target of opportunity because they he left it left their melee? Yes, they all do. Okay. Oh, they all do? Yeah. Every ally gets an attack of opportunity against an enemy that leaves their melee range. Tanger's echoes have not left, like, they don't invoke attack of opportunity, but could they provide distraction? Because there are two echoes of Tanager right next. It ran up to them. Hmm. Can you just tell me what its DC is to make this easier? 18. 18. Okay. So only the elk and the dire wolf actually hit. Uh, it's two. So that's five damage from the dire wolf. And can he make a uh, strength DC 13 check? 10. Ah, he is knocked prone. Uh, let's see. What are the rules for prone? I think it attacks with disadvantage unless it mm-hmm. uses some of its movement to stand up. And I think it's half your movement to stand up. So half of 60 would be 30. Mm-hmm. What did you do to knock it prone? What ability was that? Oh, that's just one. That's just the uh, the, the the attack of the dire wolf. Um, with any attack, they make a, a strength DC check in the DC thirteen, and that's the normal melee. It, it's an effect. If they hit with an attack, they then get to try to make him go prone. Mm-hmm. Because they're jumping on him when they attack. So you hit with the attack, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then. It invokes the strength check. Um, elk gets to use its hoof attack now that it's prone. That's 48 plus 4, which is 23. Okay. Your elk stomps on it. Yeah. Okay, so the dire wolf attack knocking it prone means that although it wants to reach Dr. Crud the third that's turn, it has to expend its movement to stand up, which means it's not going to make it to you. <laughs> you did a success <laughs> hand motion. Which means yes! it's going to have to take out the direwolf and the elk first. So it's Uh-oh. going to. So it stands up, uses half of its movement to stand up, and then it's going to try to trample uh, Tusk and hurl flame at the direwolf, the thing that's making it prone. So first, direwolf, does a 26 hit you? Yes. Take 15 piercing damage as it tusk attacks you. Gotcha. Then, does a 17 hit you, direwolf? Yes. Please take 14 bludgeoning damage. Gotcha. And make a constitution saving throw. Right there, constitution is plus two. Five. You fail. Please take 10 infernal damage at the start of each of your turns, direwolf. Mm-hmm. And then, how is the direwolf looking? Pretty hurt or not that hurt? Pretty hurt. Like, is it going to die at the start of its next turn from the 10? I can't tell you that. Does it look really hurt? I don't... <laughs> <laughs> you have to tell them that. <laughs> it's limping. It's limping, yeah. Okay. All right. And then, does a 17 hit the giant elk? Yes. Okay. Take 14 fire damage. And that is the end of Paolo's turn. Oh, buddy. Okay. Tanager. Tanager has a theory. What kind of action would it take to do a religion check? A free action or a movement or a full action? 
A free action. Okay. That's a dirty 20. What do you want to know, Tanager? God, I never talk to you. We don't, we're, we're not like that. What's going on here? There's, there's something funky in this realm. How do I get out of here? Is it just desire? Is, is that what it is? It's just desire to kill our enemies? Is that why that simpering fool is here? Is that just bait to keep me in this realm? Is that why this pig has come to hunt down the beautiful and noble Dr. Crud? Is that why Aaron's father has echoed in death just to remind him of his whole life is... How do we get out of here, God? And then he'll take an attack and cast, uh... Who's your patron divinity? The Reveler! The Reveler... The sky parts, and the... And, like, sunbeams flood across. There were no clouds in the sky. Sunbeams flood across the blue sky, and the Reveler, like, you know, Monty Python pokes his head into the sky, (laughs) and there's, like, a giant hand, like, peeling apart the blue of the sky like a like a window being opened he sticks his head in and goes tanager my boy hi dad it is i the reveler (laughs) hi tanager hi son so you are in the changeling afterlife ask and you shall receive and then closes the window and goes about their party business you can hear like a lot of people laughing in the in the space (laughs) behind them and they're like have fun (laughs) Yeah, he literally took a phone call at a party. <laughs> yep. Uh, so then Tanager would use his actual action to yell at the current realm. I would like to leave now. Okay, so I do have conditions set for you to leave, and the realm does too. If you think about it a little bit, it gives you stuff, right? So ask for stuff. Could I please have a doorway out of this terrible realm? Otherwise, I will hold my action in case anyone gets attacked, and then my Echo Knight ability will attack anyone who attacks my friends, and the uh, spell one will use a bonus action to do a Vicious Mockery as a cantrip. Please do a Wisdom Saving Throw. (sighs) This again. That's a four. No door appears. Nothing happens. Tanger points at Simon and goes, This is your fault. That is the end of my turn. Okay. At the end of Tanager's turn, it's Dr. Crud III's turn. You are actually, like, uh, 20 feet away because Pig didn't get very far. <laughs> did did uh, everybody hear the, uh, the god's uh, message to Tanager? <laughs> yes. Okay, in that case, Dr. Crud is going to... You, you see a light bulb moment come up in his head. I wish that this pig was bacon. <laughs> Make a wisdom saving throw. <clears throat> uh, that's an 18. And an 18 or up. It happens. The pig poofs and turns into bacon. Battle over. Bacon's up, guys. Okay. Wait, so we can just wish... I wish that we had a spirit guide to lead us through this realm. Make a wisdom saving throw. Okay. 
Okay. <sighs> 17. Nothing happens. Can I just keep wishing the same thing until <laughs> I actually get one? <laughs> you can do whatever you want, my friend. This is heaven. <sighs> oh. Can Tanninger wish that Sim and the Kind would be a more strong and better partner for her? Make a wisdom saving throw. Oh, you natural 19 plus three. A book on dating relationship advice poofs out of the air and falls in front of you. So I push it towards <laughs> Simmon and I go, go, just open your own portal. Uh, Aaron has continued wishing over and over again for a spirit guide to take them through this realm. And eventually he did get above an 18. <laughs> Poof. A glowing white ball of light with fairy wings appears before you and says, listen. Hi, Navi. <laughs> <laughs> Navi, can you tell us about this place? Where are we? What is happening? You are in changeling heaven. Anything okay. you wish for, you can have. Why? Why did we see the, 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 the changeling woman who killed Satara here? Or we heard about her here. Is she here? This entity would say, they come here sometimes just like you. They're not. They don't belong here. They got to move on here. Escape from this afterlife. <laughs> I have a question. If you end up here, does that mean you've been replaced in the real world? This is a morphic plane. People who enjoy change can come here. People who don't want to live the old life that they did before. People who want a morphic plane as their afterlife. Anyone can come here who wants. And you can also come here temporarily, like you three have. And like Yule did. Okay. It's a morphic plane. And if you guys look up the official D&D, &D, blah, blah, blah. <sighs> morphic is, a, is a, a property that a plane can have where you can use will saves to shape the plane to do what you want it to do. It's a chaos that is shaped by your desires. And the conflict for this adventure, you guys, was that you have conflicting desires. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Well, I think I've made my desires clear, and it is to dunk Simmons' head into a toilet. <laughs> <laughs> but also make him the better man. Uh, I am really concerned that we have been replaced on the prime material. When, well, we could always find out. I just... Ask Navi. Navi, does time work the same? in the changeling afterlife and in the prime material. Unless you want it to work differently. Yeah. And then it can, if you want it to. Tanager prays to be 22 again. Tanager, you're 22 <laughs> years old. Oh, wait, wisdom saving throw. I'm sorry. Dang it. <laughs> Dang it. Just wish again. <laughs> no, it's not meant to be. There was a three and a seven. Okay. Tanager is stuck at 25. Oh, 25. You poor thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the horror. Uh, so I think my desires is probably for a little revenge on this woman. I think we should find her. I think that's the real goal. I think there's nothing to do with, with a, a poisoned cucumber. Oh, that's easy. I wish that the lady who poisoned the cucumber was standing right in front of us. Make a wisdom saving throw. 21. 
Have you ever seen that movie about those stars and those wars where there's holographic people that it's like picture a holograph just like rotating and you get oh. an exact 3D holograph replica of Yul Shevchenko who was wearing the face of Seoyun Gonzaga, the principal of Ridgeview Boarding School. She's an elderly elf with fair skin and black hair and blue eyes. She's a very well-respected principal, and her body was the body that Yul Shevchenko used and is the body that's rotating before you. Well, there she is. Okay, well, how do we find her? Aaron, you know what she looks like. This is her. Yeah. So I feel like eventually we'll be able to just wish ourselves out of here. But I think we would do the world a great service if we could take this woman down before we go. I wish we were where she was. Or is. Yeah, I wish we Ooh, other way around. Yeah, I wish we were where she is. She needs to be where we are. I just tried that. And we got this holographic projection. <laughs> oh, true, true. Do a wisdom saving throw. Uh, ten. Nothing happens. Well, I tried. You try. And again, this this plane gives you objects. So wish for an object. Mm. Okay, so don't wish to be transported somewhere. I mean, if that happens, you want to be like, how is that going to happen? I wish for a detector that will lead us in the direction of this person. Okay. 23? A remote control looking thing floats down from the sky and to you. And every time you press enter on the remote control, it turns red. But like, it's got like a direction to it. So it's like left or right. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, guys, I think we can follow this to find her. Enter. Yeah, it's like going off to the left right now. All right, let's go left. (laughs) But when you press it, it kind of like fizzles, like, and then it displays error, not in plane. Scrolls across. 404, file not found. Oh, crap. She's already gone. She's gone? She's already gone, guys. Well, we do know that she can come in and out at will, right? Navi, can you take us to the place that she exited this plane? Make a wisdom saving throw. 13. Okay, that's a no. Um, well, if she's gone, okay. So I, I guess my big thing is like trying to figure out what is the plot right now? Because I don't think it has anything to do with Cucumber. I thought it was finding her, but if she's not in this plane, that can't be the plot. Um, Why can't it? Maybe something with Simmond? Well, why are we here? Like, it comes back to that. Like, we are the aberrant fact in this world. This is a place for changelings to go when they die, and somehow we have ended up here. Why? Well, it's for people who want change. So I think all of us could be described as wanting to change things in our lives. You know, Aaron's big thing was being lonely and, you know, always you know, seeking romance as a way to change that. What about you guys? Uh, Tanger has the look of a man at the graveyard on his face and then looks to Dr. Crud. Dr. Crud, are you lonely? Well, I can't be lonely with my little Jenny on my hip. 
Well, it's probably not it then. Because mm. <laughs> I'm definitely not lonely at all. I have lots of friends. <laughs> and then I look into the middle distance. <laughs> Simmond thinks about patting your shoulder and then does not. <laughs> he knows what will happen if he touches me. <laughs> <laughs> he respects your boundaries. <laughs> mm, okay. Why are we here, guys? We want change. That... What is the change we want to see in the healing? Comfort? Do we literally just all want partners? Is it as simple as that? Is that as why Suckboy is here? Who is the flute? The bacon starts to reassemble. Oh no. Gross. <laughs> Look, Aaron, you are the musician of the troupe. Yes. What What does this tune mean? There has to be some symbolism. The bacon starts to become the pig again because it is not truly dead because it was already dead. So this is not even its body and it reassembles into oh, no. an angry Paolo, the Bobby Russa, the teenage boy that was not yet at maturity and didn't go off on its own. So it was with its matriarchal group until Dr. Crud killed them all. Tanninger would like to cast calm emotions on the Babarusa. The Babirusa raises its tusked head, its tusks growing up through its snout, curling back towards its eyes. I wish for a door home. <laughs> Make a wisdom saving throw. Tanninger would like to give Dr. Crud Bardic inspiration. <laughs> I got a plus five in that, and I rolled a 17, so I think I'm good. <laughs> Dr. Crud the third? There is a door standing in the air in front of you. Dr. Dr. Crud walks through it. Come on. <laughs> yep, me too. Are you bringing daddy? Can I? Uh, to provide example, Tanger is throwing Simmon through the doorway first. <laughs> okay, yep. Bounces off of it like you just threw him into a wall. And then he falls <laughs> I'm back forcing off. him through. Come on. I'll bring my dad and Captain Artichoke. All of them. It is like pushing someone into a wall. It's a little uncomfortable and it's not working. <laughs> oh. He's kicking with full force, like full heel on his back. Like you just don't want it enough. <laughs> Something crunches under your heel. <laughs> Dr. Crud reaches through, grabs Tanager by the hair, and yanks him through the door. <laughs> All right. Dr. Crud the third and Tanager are through. Aaron is going to jump over the crumpled heap of, of Simmond and go through the opening. Do you have any last words for your dad or for your almost dad? Oh, um, enjoy each other. Aww. <laughs> and with that, the door behind you closes and all is darkness. Bye, piggy. <laughs> yeah, that piggy almost killed us. Paolo reaches the door right as it closes. <laughs> I had this whole table of, by the way, for the listeners, I had this whole table of what stats would go down if you guys reached zero hit points in the afterlife and you were going to gain like permanent intelligence and wisdom modifier damage if like every time you got hit below zero. So that was fun. But oh, we didn't get there. <laughs> so <laughs> That's probably a good thing. Yeah, no, we just decided to scream at God instead. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right ready here in the darkness everybody ready uh, okay yeah mm -hmm. 
You wake up. You are in the dark, cramped, your arms and legs pinned to your side by the confines of a box. Oh! This is not very nice. Where's Jenny? Oh, gods, where's Jenny? Tanager screams from his box. Aaron and Dr. Crud III hear a scream, but it sounds muffled. You're each in your own individual boxes. I punch through it! I punch through my box! <laughs> the box rips and tears open, and you can finally take a deep breath, Dr. Crud III. Looking behind you, you have emerged from an instrument storage case. It appears you are in the orchestra pit underneath a stage. All around you are other instrument cases, big black boxes, many of them on wheels. Crud. Uh, Tanager would like, open me up, Crud. Uh, where, where'd that voice come from? And he just starts tearing through boxes. <laughs> Tanager falls onto a heap on the ground as his lid is opened. Tanager immediately casts Pass Without a Trace on Dr. Crud himself and hopefully Aaron if we can open up his box in time. Yeah, over here, over here! <laughs> you find his box and open it. <laughs> okay. Smash, smash, smash. But more importantly, do I find Jenny's box? All three of you have Pass Without a Trace on you. Okay. You come upon a sousaphone case that looks big enough to hold a baby elephant dragon. Rip it open. Inside, there is a sousaphone. <laughs> Once again, I have been disappointed by a sousaphone, and I kick it. <laughs> That's a common occurrence for you? It's too bad the look on Dr. Crud III's face didn't translate to the podcast. He looked very unhappy, listeners. His, his eyebrows went, Where is my Jenny? <laughs> I think everyone is very unhappy in this moment. <laughs> Whoever we encounter next has a very high chance of being murdered. And that concludes our adventure, everyone. Wait, <laughs> what? No! <laughs> Confused and disoriented, you all return to the Fire-Breathing Kittens Guild Hall. Upon returning to the hall, your fellow adventurers greet you, surprised to see you so muddled. Dr. Crud III, you've been seen plenty of times in the past month with Jenny, your child. Aaron, you've been seen plenty of times with your great bags of tricks, summoning giant badgers and giant elk and having the best of times. Bags of tricks that are not on you right now. Tanager, you've been seen plenty of times in the past month with Curry, your bodyguard and servant. But as word spreads of your return to the Guild Hall and the state you three returned in, Yul Shevchenko quietly ducks out, taking the gray bag of tricks, Curry and Jenny with him, back to the HHO. Joining us for this adventure were... Aaron! Hi! <laughs> Dr. Crud III! Well... Guess who's no longer a pacifist? <laughs> and Tanager. Echoing my brother's statement, a bloody swath will be ripped through Nicomoy until what has been taken from us will be returned. Bye! <laughs> Yeah, yeah, this is season two of Straight Outta Sea Springs, you know what I'm saying? So make sure you keep your ears locked and your mouth shut. It's going down, 2021, Straight Outta Sea Springs, Spliff G, yep.
The fusion of technology and DNA is here, but at what cost? Welcome to the cyberpunk metropolis known as the Neon Boulevard. After the city-long streets that cut through the heart of the city, the Cybio Corporation has always been on the cutting edge of augmentation development for the Neon Boulevard. And with its latest technology set to be announced, they aim to change the world once more. The day before the announcement, Cybio's CEO was murdered, triggering events that put a rogue AI and a serial killer on a collision course that could destroy life in the city forever. Meanwhile, private detective Xander Draven is visited by the synthetic replica of the murdered CEO's grieving widow, who wants him to track down her husband's killer, Julian Trevitz, a hacker and reporter, and his AI companion Quartzig, are searching for their next story as they become drawn into Cybio's dark past. Clone worker number 133 suffers a brain injury that frees him from his programming. Discovering his true identity has ties to the serial killer and the corporation's founders. If you like fast-paced, high-tech, futuristic thrillers, and a diverse range of unique characters, then step onto the Neon Boulevard today. This book was written by Nick Whitaker and narrated by me, Dale Robertson. You can find Neon Helix on Audible, iTunes, and Amazon. The following is a brief bit of the Pedro and Banana podcast. Do you know what really um, freaks me out about the mask, yeah? Everyone's wearing a mask, right? CCTV everywhere, yeah? You mm. think this is a fantastic opportunity for bank robbers. <laughs> yeah, Nobody's robbed a bank. Yeah, Nobody's robbed any banks. What's been exactly going on? the same thing. I thought banks would be getting dropped left, right and centre. Just any kind of crime like that where, where CCTV Anything, is yeah, necessary. Where, yeah, where you wear, everyone's got a mask on, so you can't really identify me. Um, no, it wasn't me. It was him with the mask. Yeah, it was, uh, that's not me. Yeah. That bloke's got a mask on. I don't wear a mask. Yeah. <laughs> put, a, put a hood on, put your mask on. <laughs> that don't even look like Coverage. my shotgun. <laughs> my shotgun's green. That one's black. <laughs> I always had this Ferrari. That was the Pedro and Banana podcast. Find them wherever you find podcasts.